Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by CGC Cards, card grading all in one place. CGC Cards is devoted to expert grading of collectible cards, including TCGs, sports cards, and non-sports cards. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by GemRate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit GemRate.com. It's free. Sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and valuing your cards. Use the app to build your collection and buy and sell with other collectors. Turn the hobby into your side hustle. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast. What do we talk about, Drew? Everything in the world of sports collectibles. You name it, it's going to be on the list. That's right. We talk TTM, we talk cards, we talk autographs, we talk collectibles, and even food stuff sometimes, and movie stuff sometimes, and all sorts of other cool stuff, and anything that pops into my silly brain, right? Yep, yep. That's right. We are season five, episode 37. It is September 16th. We're halfway through September. And uh, you're listening to the nationally ranked sports part podcast. My name is Jeff Baker talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts. And we're talking with Drew Pelto on the other end of the line. He is from Arlington, Texas. He is on YouTube. He just posted a new video. So make sure you check that out. DFW Graffer. He is DFW Graffer on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And he is on YouTube as well as Instagram. So make sure you follow him. I don't know why, Drew. I'm all frazzled this morning. It happens. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit the same now. I'm just kind of a little sluggish right now. I haven't had my coffee yet. And I was up until, what, one thirty-two out of the last three nights. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. It's just that I, I, get, I get it focused. I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> had a kind of, I had a kind of slow week collection-wise. I didn't really buy mm-hmm. anything. I didn't send out anything. Didn't any, buy anything on eBay, and it was just kind of a, a quiet week. I, I got a couple returns, so actually went out to Amherst yesterday to visit my daughter, uh, which was nice. She's at UMass Amherst, so we went out to lunch with her, and it was kind of nice to be on campus with all the kids running around, because every time we've been there, it's been kind of when there's no kids around, so the, the campus was kind of buzzing, which was nice, and we took her out to lunch, and uh I went to UMass. I'm a UMass grad class class of uh, 1987, and nice. it, it it I don't know if you've been back to your alma mater, but it's kind of weird to go back because nothing is the same and everything is the same. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely feel that. I did uh, when I was up in Boston actually last year. I went by Emerson because uh, it's like, all right, you know what? My I show uh, my friend Aaron there. Hey, here's where I went to school and. I mean, the great thing with Emerson is it's in the middle of downtown. You can't change a whole ton of stuff from there over right. the last, you know, 20 years or so. But I also look at like, there's like, oh my, my God, what happened to Dunkin' Donuts? It used to be there. Whoa, the uh, the dining <laughs> hall looks different from here. There's all sorts of stuff that like, the small stuff has changed. The big stuff's like all the buildings are exactly the same, but the smaller things, it's like, whoa, okay, this, this, this is, this is different. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it's like all my old hangouts are all gone. There's not yep. nothing, not but like all the buildings are the same, and it looks like you yep. know, you plot me down anywhere at UMass, I can get I, I can get there. And yep. uh, my wife's cousin's kid uh, goes to UMass, so he was he's a freshman, so he's been there for two weeks, and he was homesick. He's been a little homesick, so we took him out to lunch as well, and he actually lives in the same 
dorm that I lived in my freshman year. So nice. I lived on, I lived on the 20th floor. He lives on the second floor, but my my wife is like, well, I don't know what Kennedy is. Like, I know exactly where Kennedy is. I live there. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. We drove by like campus pizza and all the, all the, the kind of all through campus and around. It was it was fun. Nice. It was a nice time. So uh, I other than that, and I said I have uh, four interviews scheduled for next week that I set up for our show. So we got all sorts of cool uh, guests coming on. No, no athletes, but all kind of cool collectors and people are in the hobby. And nice. uh, I'm looking forward to it'll be a busy week doing interviews next week. And then the following week, I'm going to see the Red Sox on uh, the 27th, which I believe is Wednesday. So uh, I'm not sure who's going to be signing on Autograph Alley. They they didn't have something up yet, but uh, hopefully some some will be there, and um, that'll close out the Red Sox season. Thankfully, <laughs> yeah, right? we got to end this baseball season already. Yeah, yeah. How I know you went to two Pearl Jam shows this week, so why don't you give us your review of the shows, um, oh, your thoughts, and and yeah. I know you got you actually picked up some swag. I did, yeah. So uh, I'll start with well, so uh. They played, I went to both Wednesday night and Friday night. And uh, Wednesday night, they ended up playing, uh, well, yeah, it was the Did they Wednesday play Thursday was, as well, Drew, or no? They no, only oh, nothing Thursday, the day off in between there, which okay, is good because they needed that. Yeah. Um, they needed that. I'll get to that here in a minute here. But, yeah, over two nights, 50 songs, they only duplicated two of them. So that's a wow. uh, nice variety of stuff there. So 48 different songs, that means, over two nights. But uh, Wednesday night, it was their longest show of the tour in terms of just sheer number of songs. They did 27 songs total there. Uh, last night's one was what 23 songs so uh but yeah i mean it was still really good because uh wednesday night they the one song i've been waiting to hear them play for years they played as the closer on friday night so oh that must be you must excited to see you do that one yeah that they they made me wait for it but yeah it was uh definitely worth it but i'll show off the stuff i got or mention stuff i got here first and you can see it at least but i got the t-shirt here for a nice tour don't, don't you hate when you, one of your favorite songs is not one of their like popular songs and you're kind of like i don't know if they're gonna play this one or not yeah the good thing is though with this one i know they were closing every other show with it it seemed like so it's like if they didn't play it night one they play it night two so, so i knew yeah, it was it's coming a, it's a for, for our uh listeners it's a black t-shirt with a white pearl jam logo on it and what's it do you have the uh concert dates on the back of it or no yeah, the back has the same logo as on the front here. It's actually kind of like an almost like an olive green shirt, basically. There are okay. the logos in uh, yellow and white. And in the back, yeah, it has all of the uh, it has all the locations. It doesn't have the exact dates on it. I think it has the dates of the full tour and then just each city they play. So this is a fairly short tour. They're only doing what was it? It's going to be nine shows across five cities, and one of the shows ended up getting canceled, which I'm going to mention here in a second. But so yeah, I got the shirt. I got uh. They did a so one of the big things with Pearl Jam, and I've never seen another band that does this. They do a different, several different pieces for each individual show. Because I mean, sometimes okay. you'll see like they'll do like a poster for each show or something like that. They go above and beyond. They have a poster for each show. They have a pin for every show. They did a special item for each different city. So like in uh, Minnesota, they did a hockey jersey that was in like a, a Minnesota Fighting Saints theme. Nice. In Chicago, they did one that was in a Blackhawks theme. Uh, for the Indianapolis show that got canceled, they did a uh, checkered flag because, you know, Indy Raceway. And for uh, Fort Worth, they did a bandana, which I wasn't really a big fan of the bandana at all. Did but you get they, a pin? I know you're a, you're a pin guy. Did you get a pin for the show? I, I did. Yes, I missed the Wednesday pin, but I did get uh, pick up a couple of the Friday ones there. So I figure I can trade one of them if I if I can find somebody who has an extra one of Wednesday or something. Oh, nice. So, Very cool. 
I've got a few of those. Um, they also did a license plate for every single show, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. Cause I mean, I've built a guitar with a license plate resonator on it. So I'm like, okay, I've got to get a couple of these license plates and hopefully build a guitar for each of them. And so they did Texas plate right there. How many did, did you get a, uh, a couple of them? Yeah, I got two of each one. So oh, good. Got one for the Wednesday show and then uh, one for the Friday show as well. Oh, so, nice. It, the guys, uh, just Drew's holding this stuff up. So you, you're not seeing yeah. it, but it's cool. Texas license plate with a PRL uh, jam as the yep. license plate numbers. And they're very nice. They're, they're, they're uh, they, I guess they, they must have replicated the Texas license plates, right? Yeah, it's the exact style. The only thing they changed was like in the, the logo in the middle to keep it from, you know, being like right, a late counterfeit or something used. there. But yeah, the middle of the uh, of the one for Wednesday, it has a longhorn skull in the middle of it instead of the uh, Texas just Lone Star. And then the uh, Friday one has this uh, kind of bandit cowgirl in the middle of it instead of the Texas Star there. So so you got really two cool of each, two, two that you can put up on, in your wall someplace to save them and then two to make uh, guitars with? Right, yeah, I'm going to try to do what, a guitar out of one of each there. Because I saw a couple cool designs online for building the guitars. I'm like, okay, I can easily uh, do if I can find somebody who can help me with the with the metal working on it. Then yeah, I've got some ideas I can go with those. So yeah, I got all of those. Um, but yeah, I mean they played pretty much ever any Pearl Jam big hit that you can name. They definitely played it there. Plus a lot of uh, kind of you know middle stuff. They play a lot at shows, but never. Did they made play it on any the cover radio. stuff? Did they cover anything? They did. Yeah, three covers total. They did uh, Baba O'Reilly by the Who on uh, Wednesday night, which is one they do a cover of a lot. Uh, Friday night, Eddie played uh, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty solo. Yeah, that's a good song. A and then their second to last one was Rockin' in the Free World by Neil Young. Oh, wow. They've been doing that one got since the early 90s or so. I mean, if I remember right, like 1994 on MTV, they played it live with Neil Young on New Year's Eve. And ever since then, they've been playing it at like at least once, at least once a week, it seems like for any of their tours and stuff. But yeah, the only songs they duplicated were Even Flow and Alive. And I mean, you could play those for me every single day, and I'm not going to complain in the slightest at all. How was but, the crowd? Uh, How was, was it a, a, a raucous crowd, or was it, it kind of. It was, of a, yeah, pretty good. Crowd. I mean, it wasn't uh, too crazy or anything, but I mean, the, the arena was full both nights. Like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a smaller arena. So it, I mean, even sitting in the second to last row off on the side of the upper deck on uh, last night, it still was not a bad seat at all. So. Good crowd and everything, full was house. It good, was it a good people-watching crowd? It was, yeah. And I mean, talking to some of the people before it, too, it's like you'd have fans that were local ones that, you know, were right there in Fort Worth, Arlington, Dallas, whatever. And then you had some of them that were traveling all over the place. Like, there was one guy that I talked to before Wednesday's show who was from Indianapolis. And uh, he had been to every show on this tour. He went up to Minneapolis, Minnesota for the two in St. Paul. He went down to Chicago for the two. He was going to go to the one in Indianapolis that got canceled and then uh, came down to the two in Fort Worth, the two in Austin. Then he was flying back up from Austin there and just working from his hotel room as much as he could on the road there. But must be nice yeah. to have all the time in the in the funds to do that, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this dude had he had said he had been to London to see them, to Amsterdam to see them. It's yeah. I mean, some of the people that do this, I mean, they're just crazy how much travel they do to put in for these shows. But yeah, they had to cancel the Indianapolis one because uh, they just said due to illness, they didn't say specifically what was going on. But uh, we uh, they came and did the Wednesday show and like two songs in, Eddie says, you know, we're going to have to do this show a little bit differently here tonight because, uh, yeah, we've uh, we had some illnesses there. He was coming off of the flu and drummer uh, Matt Cameron had COVID. Oh, wow. So that really uh, messed things up. But they were able to I mean, their Wednesday show was 
I'll just put it this way. There's a guy on the Pearl Jam forums who said that he'd been to over, he'd been to every single show of this tour and been to over a hundred shows in his lifetime. And he said that this was the best show they put on in 10 years. Wow. Wednesday night. So it's like, all right. Yeah. I was happy to see that one. And so, yeah, I'm going to have more about that in my uh, stamp approval, but that's, you know, just a nice little rundown right there of everything. And yeah, I mean, they, they finished with yellow lead better on Friday night. It's like, all right, good. That's, that's what I was hoping for was that one. So. Are you done um, with minor league graphing? Are you didn't you got any more games you going? Yeah, that's the end of the season. I might do a little. I might do one more Rangers game because uh, my friend Aubrey was saying that she wanted to go to possibly the last game of the year. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I might go out there and try and see if I can get anybody pregame for whoever they're playing against there. But did they do anything yeah. special? Did they do anything special at last game of the year? Nothing major. They have it. They have their you know fan appreciation weekend, but it's not like it used to be where they have all sorts of giveaways all throughout the game and stuff. I'm I'm sure they'll come up with something for it, especially since I mean, the way the Rangers are crapping everything out right now, it's like they might uh, have a chance. I know last night the uh, Guardians absolutely slaughtered them, so that's a lot of fun. But that, <laughs> I, I, that's revenge for Tanner Shepard's and his uh, claim in 2013 of uh, getting jumped by some guys outside of a bar when it was actually a fight that he instigated. So yeah, that's funny. Well, yeah, I mean, it's we're 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 getting going into week two of the NFL, and, and uh, our your 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 Browns are looking good. My Patriots yeah, not yeah. so much, but better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, with the Browns, it's like their their offense is still sputtering a little bit. It seems like I mean, one of those touchdowns came off. I think if I remember right, it was set up by the defense real nicely there, and one of them was just. Because, I mean, the Bengals had to get something going and couldn't and went for it on fourth down deep in their right. territory. So not the best showing out of the Browns offense, but their defense, I thought, looked absolutely. I mean, that that is what I've been hoping for out of a Jim Schwartz defense is exactly what we saw in week one. I think maybe next week you and I will will, will kind of look at maybe maybe we will wait until after the third week of kind of the, any players that we feel as values have, have increased. And um, I didn't I forgot to ask you before we started, do we have a, a, a Drew Drew rant and rave this week? I really don't think I have one at all. I mean, it's been a good week all around. All right. It's like well, I don't we'll have hold... anything to complain about. We'll do one. We'll do one next week then. Yeah, we'll do that. That's all right. Good. Cool. Well, we got a, a really fun show for you guys this week. We have uh, Les Wolf. Les Wolf's going to come on talk about he's he's pained by the Aaron Rodgers injury. He's a huge Jet fan, so yeah. we talk a little about that. Les also went to a uh, Joe Namath golf tournament uh, the other day, and he got a he he's still out there graphing Drew. The guy's he's, 70 years old and he's still out there graphing. Can you believe that's it? That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> so we're going to talk to him about gra- graphing at the at the the the, uh, the event at the golf tournament. And then he went, so, hey, and uh, just like we were talking and all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, I got it. Last week I went here to go graph. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope when I'm 70, I'm out there graphing, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we get we have him, and then also we have Reed Larson on former uh, Detroit Red Wing and Boston Bruin. He played for a couple other teams as well, and he has a new book out. It's called "The Shot: The Reed Larson Hockey Story." And we have Reed Larson and uh, Jeff Olson who wrote the book with Reed. So we're going to talk to Reed and Jeff about uh, the book, and as well as uh, some of stuff about Reed's career. And I had to get a story about the Bruins in there, obviously. So that that will yep. be coming up. And we have uh, on uh, Wednesday's show, we're going to have collector Alan Lewis, who is a Wade Boggs and Red Sox fan in out of North Carolina. And he, he's got the draw, Drew. So it's a, it's a fun <laughs> nice. it's a fun interview with Alan Lewis. That will be on Wednesday, on Wednesday's TTM Cast on One show. But we also have all our regular segments this week, right, Drew? 
Yes, we do. We've got Baker's Dozen covering all the news from the previous week all around the hobby. As you said, we've got Les Wolf and Reed Larson both on the way for uh, segments during this week. We've got Making the Grade, where we cover everything about grading in the hobby. We've got our stamp approval. Jeff and I give our two thumbs up to something, anything from the previous week. You never know what it's going to be. I kind of teased mine a little bit in the opener right there. Uh, we've got the Vern Rap Minute covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics, anybody that you might consider TTMing. If they've died, we will let you know about it. And the main reason why everybody is here, our TTM returns. All right. Good job, Drew. Thank you. Guys, we love to hear from you. True, uh, I, I didn't tell you this. We hit 80,000 downloads all time uh, nice. last, the other day. So we are we are quickly approaching 100,000. So I don't think we'll make 100,000 in 2023, but I'm sure in 2024 we will pop out our 100,000 downloads for all time which I never thought would happen. I when I when we when I hit 100,000 I thought that was the the best thing ever. So when we hit 1,000 I mean I thought that was the best thing ever. So we are uh, it, it's I want to thank everyone including especially Drew who's who's made the show outstanding uh since he joined the show and uh I don't I I couldn't do, do the show without you my friend. It's I I feel weird when 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 you have you you're you're tentatively not going to make the show and I'm like no no we have to do the show with Drew we can't we can't do this show without Drew. Hey, it's been <laughs> fun to be on it and everything. And I mean the good thing is too. I mean if there's ever a time I can't, you've been able to find some really really good uh, temporary co-hosts there. So it's uh, it works out well I think. It's yeah, right. they they don't replace you though. They don't replace you, my friend. You're irreplaceable, and uh, I know our fans love ha having you. But guys, we want to hear from you, uh, especially collectors. We're, we're we we want to hear from collectors and uh, people that we can interview for Collectors Corner. So if you want to be on the show, if you want to enter any of our contests, we got a cool co two uh, contests this week. Uh, you just use our email, and that email address is ttmcast at yahoo.com. Awesome. All right, Drew. That wraps up all our housekeeping for the week. Let's get right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker Sussan is the news summary of what's been going on the week. First, I want to remind everyone of our uh, $10 coupon on Collects. Collects is a great app. It's a free app to download. Uh, go to uh, your Google Play or uh, your Apple App Store. Download Collects. It's free. And they're going to give you $10, a $10 coupon that you can use in their marketplace to purchase any cards you want from their marketplace. It's really cool. Uh, it's very easy. And... Uh, all you have to do, download the Collects app, send us your Collects name, your Collects username, and your email address. We'll forward it off to Collects, and they send you a $10 coupon. And that you have to send that to TTMcast at Yahoo.com. Also, our friends from Card Cradle, who given I've got two Card Cradles to give away, two more Card Cradles to give away. So all I need, if you want to enter to win a Card Cradle, we'll give these away next Saturday. All right, Drew, next Saturday, we'll give away two Card Cradles. And all you have to do is send your, me your name and your mailing address. Important, guys. 
I need your mailing address. So if you win, I can send it off to you, okay? And send it to? TTMcast at yahoo.com. And that, just put card cradle in the subject line and we'll enter you to win a, uh, a card cradle. Got, we only have a few entries so far, so it's good odds if you to win a card cradle. So if you want to win a free card cradle from our friends at Card Cradle, just send me your name and your mailing address to our email address, which is? TTMcast at yahoo.com. He there's only he 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 nails it every time. Every time he nails it, he's the man. I try to I, I try to vary it up a little bit in there. I know you giving what, me my you're giving me my money's worth. That's okay. That's all I ask. That's all I can. One ask. of these days, I'm going to try to do that 2000s era Yahoo like yodely scream thing there <laughs> in there, but not today. I'm I'm still I still feel like I one throated a chicken tender last night, so I'm I'm good to to wait on that. <laughs> I know, and we're, and we're both kind of dopey this morning, so guys, yeah. forgive us. We're, we're giving us the best effort, but we're, I think we're just playing, we're playing hard. I think we're both playing yeah. hard today. A little bit. All right, we have some auction news to let you know about. We do indeed. REA had their September Encore sale. Uh, that's no, some really con- cool. It's, it's currently going. Oh, going on right now. Okay, so, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. There it is. And September 24th, I, I didn't read far enough ahead there, but... Uh, <laughs> Got some really cool stuff in there, though. A 1954 Wilson Franks Ted Williams up uh, in that auction. So it's always cool. Those The old food editions like that are always uh, fun stuff. It's a great-looking card. Yeah, and Williams, I mean, he did a he did a little bit of food pitching in there, too. Of course, he was, you know, the, uh, the pitch guy for Moxie there for a while. Yep. And you can find that uh, metal sign famously there. But 54 Wilson Franks Ted Williams card and a big group of Mickey Mantle cards. I think it's close to a uh, full run of his uh, cards in there. So if it's not the whole thing, it's pretty darn close to it. So Mantle Collectors, go and check that out for sure. The auction ends on September 24th at 9 p.m. And you can find all of that at robertedwardsauction.com. The guys at Ken Golden, Ken Golden Auctions, they had a a couple things that sold recently. We just figured we'd give you uh, some results on that. A PSA 10 set of 1986-87 Flair, not including the stickers. So the stickers weren't, inclu- weren't included. I don't think, I think it's impossible to get a PSA 10 on those stickers. They're, they're right. They're all, all always cut wrong or there's something that seems to be impossible to get a 10 on those, but the set of cards uh, sold for $390,000, which is pretty cool. Also a 1984-85 Star Company Michael Jordan card, uh, which is his, his true rookie card, was a PSA 8.5, sold for $144,000. So uh, nice results from Golden Auction, and it's good to see we're still uh, hitting some high numbers on some some really cool cards. Absolutely. Got a memory lane summer auction. Results are in. Had $9.1 million in sales on there couple of highlights, a 1917 Babe Ruth Standard Biscuit card, graded an SGC6, and that went for $462,000. 32 bids in on that one, so uh, kind of cool to see that. I mean, that many people that are able to get in and uh, have, a, have a go with that card right there. Uh, 1952 Topps uh, PSA 5 Mickey Mantle went for $133,906. So those mid-grade mantles there on that 52 tend to go for somewhat more reasonable prices. I mean, we've seen, you know, like the super high ones that have hit the, you know, eight digit, the uh, eight figures there. Fifth, uh, PSA five right there, though, 133,000. That's, I mean, that's only the price of about half of a house right there. So That's right. Uh, well, you know, Powerball is uh, 600 million, I think, this week. So uh, tonight. We so make sure you buy your tickets because I, I think we'll see. If I, win, if I win it, or should I say when I win it, I'll be buying some mantle cards, okay? I mean, you get 6,000 <laughs> of those PSA fives right there if you really wanted to with that. So with, uh, there you with go. That. 
All right. Well, we have some new releases to let you guys know about. Uh, first off the line, uh, Panini Flawless NFL, which is a um, it's a well, it's like one of those one one cards, right? Don't they have like one autograph card encased? Or those are it's are in the uh, those flawless. I uh, know it's just it's a super high end product. Is all this? Super so you're gonna get like end, yeah. five, you're gonna get like five or ten cards in there. I think okay. typically about. 10. But it, uh, first off the line, flawless is going for uh, seventeen thousand dollars. So uh, you you gotta you gotta win a few. Uh, you gotta win at least one uh, scratch ticket to <laughs> afford that. Yeah, I mean the cool thing is though you're gonna get stuff that has like diamonds embedded in it. Literally, right? So really? Like, neat all right. Card. That's, yeah. That's yeah. That's. I mean, it's a, you can't you can't go wrong with a diamond <laughs> embedded in a card. I guess true. Uh, how about some mosaic basketball? Going to have the white sparkle packs coming out for that. I know the white sparkle stuff used to be like a case hit for a while in some of the products. So if you just want to get the white sparkle cards. They have three card packs of those for $300. Speaking of mosaic, we have first off the line, uh, 2023 mosaic NFL. I love the, I love the uh, mosaic NFL. One of my favorite releases. You get 10 cards, 15, uh, 10 packs, 15 cards per pack. Uh, you get two autographs, and those first off the line are going for about seven hundred and fifty dollars. So probably we're about half price when they when we talk about the 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 regular releases, right? Yeah, that's uh, probably about right. And I mean, evidence to that is the price of the uh, mosaic basketball set that's coming out this week as well. Three hundred and thirty five dollars. That's not a first off the line uh, one, so uh, kind of gives you an idea of what the uh, regular uh, football one will cost there. But a similar lineup there as to the football one, 10 packs, 15 cards, one autograph per box there on the basketball end of Mosaic. In, uh, in Topps World, the 2023 Bowman uh, University of Alabama football. Um, it is a, uh, I, I guess it's a, a hobby box, right? Five cards, five cards, 10 packs. That's a hobby box with, with one auto. And those are going for $25. So I guess it's a blaster. I, I would say it's a blaster box, right? Yeah, probably closer to a blaster. Or some, somewhere in between blaster and hobby, basically. And I just saw this morning uh, that the 2023 uh, Tops baseball update is now is, they're doing a pre-sale at tops.com. So the hobby boxes are sold out, but the blaster boxes where you could still buy a ba blaster box for $25 pre on uh, pre-order. So you can go to tops.com and nice. check that nice. out. Um, that wraps up all the new releases. we got one, one show that we, we've been talking about and it's the Chantilly show. It's going to be October 20th to the 22nd. Uh, it's go to CSAshows.com and the Johnny Bench, Eric Dickerson, Steve Largent, Joe Montana, Paul Pierce, a bunch of guys are going to be there. It's the Chantilly show, October 20th to the 22nd. Um, and you go to CSAshows.com. And I know there's going to be the, um, the one at the Shriners in Wilmington is going to be the first weekend in November. That's coming up. Any shows in Dallas, your, your neck of the woods you're looking forward to? Um, no, they had a Dallas card show a couple, I think it was last week they may have had it, but nothing I'm really going to be able to go to at all. I mean, I just, I just bought two tickets to Pearl Jam shows and <laughs> computer and we have a trip to Colorado coming up. So I, I, I better wait a bit on any card shows. I mean, Jen's sitting there glaring at me like, yeah, you're damn right. You're waiting. Yeah, yeah. No those, more so. card shows for you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up Baker's Dozen. Not the smooth, not the smoothest uh, show today, Drew. We're just kind of, yeah. we're, 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 we're hitting road bumps and all over the place. I just don't know why. <laughs> it works out. I mean, you get, you got to have the, uh, it adds some grit to the show, I guess. Yeah. This one's not going to the broadcasting hall of fame. I can, right. I can assure you of that, but Thanks for sticking with us, guys. We 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 try our hardest. Sometimes the results are there. Today we're just plugging along. I don't know why. <laughs> do you ever see the the that thing you do? Do you ever watch that movie, The Thing You Do? No, I haven't seen it at all. 
Oh, it's a great movie. It's about uh, the, this band and their one hit one hit wonder, and uh, they they're a new band. And they they go and they they they're doing great and they play and then they go to play this big show and they just they had the the one song and they just, it was just a clunker. Everything yeah. that could go wrong went wrong. You know, the drum the drum set was all messed up and the mics were all messed up and the guitar wasn't plugged in right and the amps weren't working right. I just feel like that's what we're doing today, Drew. It like... happens every every once in a while. Everything just falls apart. Like, I know, ah, but whatever. We thank guys. We thank you for sticking with us. All right. Well, that wraps up Baker's dozen. We have our next segment is going to be more from less with less wool. And now it's time for More From Less with hobby legend, Les Wolf. It's football season. There's no better time to get your NFL stars, rookies, and veteran cards graded. CGC Cards offers fast turnaround times so you get your cards back even faster. They have crystal clear holders so your cards shine. And best yet, all starting at just $12 a card. Head to cgccards.com to start creating your cards today. Well, Les Wolf uh, was at the Joe Namath uh, golf charity golf tournament, and unfortunately, Joe Namath didn't go because he had COVID. But there were oh, all geez. sorts of athletes, and Les was out there, uh, seven years old uh, on Monday, and he's out there still getting autographs and and yeah. graphing up the storm. And uh, we talk about that. We also talk about. Uh, his poor Jets with, with with Aaron Rodgers and the Yankees with Jason Dominguez, and he's having a tough time. So it's it's less that is best. Please enjoy my interview with Les. All right. The man, the myth, the legend, he is in the building. And I'm talking, of course, about Les Wolf from Les Wolf Sports LLC. He is the man. And we love to talk to him about his 60 years of collecting. And he's been a busy guy lately. So welcome, Les. Hi. How are you? Very good. Hey, why don't you tell everyone uh, about the you were at the Joe Namath Golf Tournament today and, and, and collected a bunch of autographs. Um, yes, and, and you told me that you were going to that. I was like, the 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 guy's still out there hitting the pavement and getting autographs. I, I just, it's just awesome, Les. Yeah, thanks. I don't do it that often. Joe's one of my favorites. Unfortunately, he wasn't there. He's got COVID, so that, that was a bummer not to be able to see him. But I saw my man, Rick Barry, one of my favorites and one of the nicest guys. Hopefully, I'll be able to have lunch with him tomorrow. We can talk a little more sports. Know him since the 70s. Did he, uh, did you play, did you play any golf or did you, you were just the, no, there getting no. autographs? I was just hanging, you know, talking to my buddies and, uh, and hanging out. So I didn't, I, I, I haven't played golf in a long, long time. I got to start it, start doing it. Yeah, I mean you're you're in you're ready to retire, my friend. Go out there and play golf. Yeah, yeah. On Monday, I actually turned seventy. Happy birthday! Thank you. Very cool. That's that's very nice. Did you your family do anything fun for you? Well, we're doing it. We're doing a, a uh, an architectural tour of Manhattan on Monday. We got to be up early in the morning. Then we're going to a nice new steak rest a nice steak restaurant in the city for uh, like a a brunch. And we're gonna go from there. Should be fun. So, so how how many athletes, former athletes, were were at the uh, the tournament today? Oh, probably about forty or fifty. And were they all were they all signing? Were there a lot of autograph seekers there? No, there's only a couple of us actually. Did you did uh, you bump into anyone you knew in terms of collectors? Yeah, I saw a collector I hadn't seen in a while, and, and I kept. Uh, 
with my old time buddy Mike. What'd you so What'd have, you bring out? Did you bring out a bunch of photos and, and uh, balls and stuff? What'd you What What was your What was your plan yeah, of attack? My I usually just try to get stuff that I'm that I'm keeping nowadays. I don't uh, not that much stuff that I that I'm looking to sell. I mean, I mainly got my Hall of Fame helmet now has forty nine Hall of Famers on it. Who'd you, added get for, more, who'd you get for the helmet? I added Morton Anderson. I added uh, who else did I add? Morton Anderson. What am I drawing a blank? I'd have to look at my list. Who I got on that? Uh, Morton Anderson. Um, Tim Brown. I got. Oh, good. And Joe Delamalore. Yeah, he's a good signer. He's a good signer through the mail too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even go up to Marshall Folk. He's not. He's not nice at all. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to ruin my day. I finally <laughs> got Rich Gannon on my Sports Illustrated. I've had forever. Who'd you get? I'm sorry. Rich Gannon, the old quarterback with the yeah, Raiders. Yeah. <clears throat> and I saw somebody. I got my Ranger book. My top 100 Ranger guys. Mike Gartner. Okay. All of actually. Got Pierre Turgeon on a signed photo. Got a couple OJ Andersons. Those I'm I'm actually looking to sell. Uh, and Kellen Winslow, I got on the goal line. That's about it. I, I didn't get that much. Were there any current oh. players there? Uh, no, no, there weren't. There wasn't. Is this an annual event? And have you been, uh, been there before? Yeah. Yes, I had been there in a couple of years since before COVID. But yes, it is an annual event. Did they, um, you know, some of these events that they're really not nice to autograph people. Were they was it was was were they trying to kick you off and keep you away from from the athletes? Um, they usually do, but I think there's only maybe three or four of us. They kind of left us alone, you know. But then, but then again, what I've learned to do on these things, you have to be extremely discreet, and you can't be a pig, you know. With how many things you get signed, I usually get maybe one. Sometimes two things signed, but very, very rarely more than that. Right. Well, you must have stuck out like a sore thumb with the with the helmet with your with your. Uh... I had it in a bag, and I was very discreet with it. Okay, and and uh, do these guys do you getting them before the the tournament after the tournament? Uh, what, 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 what was your plan of attack? What they do is they do a little announcement to talking to who's there. So this way I could recognize the guys. Some of the guys I couldn't recognize. So uh Yeah, I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't rec recognize Mike Gardner or some of the No, that was that was one of my friends and I probably couldn't recognize him. And plus I went when we got him, I said, you know, Mike, I didn't recognize you because you didn't have your mustache. He said this thick mustache. <laughs> any any uh, hoops any any hoops players? Yeah, I saw Byron Scott, but I didn't go up to him. I didn't need him. Um who else was there basketball wise? Well so, you Barry. And, and Rick, yeah. Rick had a nice old uh, recent picture with, excuse me. <laughs> you got a you got a nice uh, picture of you and him? Yeah, him and I that got signed. And a nice picture of my man Stefan Mateau. Got it signed by him. Him and I. Very cool. Well, in terms of uh football, it's been a oh that's nice. It, it's been a uh, a tough week for, for uh Jet fans with the a tough whole... week fans with the whole, with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing what, what's your what's your thought on, on that and um it's too it's, it's too bad because they have a good team 
Oh, it's my Jets. You know, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> what What's the the prevailing thought down there? Do you think are they saying, "Oh, that uh, that's a fait accompli now"? That then they're they're just not going to make the playoffs, or um, they're pretty optimistic. Really, I really don't know anymore. It's just it's very depressing. And then you we lost um, Jason Dominguez. He got hurt. Yeah, he's having Tommy John. I know he was having a he was in a, having a pretty good uh, couple weeks when he was up, and I actually went to the game on Wednesday night. I was hoping to see him, and then I I hear that he that they they he was they put him on the DL. Well, interesting enough, I think I may had had a problem with you know I had a problem with Jason Dominguez. Um, Panini, I bought somebody was selling like a let me see what did it what was this uh, immaculate collection in twenty twenty. Okay. Dominguez mine card. So I bought it from this guy for three years. I've been trying to get get it from from uh, Panini. So this year, when I went to the national, I went over to the Panini booth and I was talking to the CEO. So get I finally got a nice Dominguez card. Game oh, nice! Used. It's number ten of ten, and I was just enjoying it. And all of a sudden, he gets hurt, and now he's out with Tommy John. I said, "Oh God." Is he going to miss a whole year? Yeah, he won't be back till maybe June of next year. That's too. That's too bad. It's just this injuries is is uh, horrible for these 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 players and these teams. You know, they they all these guys, and it's just it takes them out of the lineup. It's tough. Yes, it does. I've been uh, picking up any collections. How you, how's your uh, your 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 collection is going? Uh, I picked up a decent football and a little, some baseball and some basketball collection, but I, I have to reevaluate how I how I buy now because unfortunately, um, usually when I have a problem with a lot of stuff not being authentic, I just return it in exchange or I get money back. There's one particular guy I got some stuff from. Uh, we did it on the first batch when I did the baseballs, then I did the footballs. His football stuff was really bad. A bunch of it, like even a Lawrence Taylor, which was shocking to me, and uh, uh, who else? Uh, Bill Parcells' ball. So he's now he's ignoring me. I said, okay, well, luckily, I, you know, I I built in a little bit of cushion for myself. But in the future, I'm only gonna I'm gonna pay half, and then after everything gets authenticated, I'm gonna pay the other half with people. Yes. I decide that's gonna, that's gonna be my new policy because it's people, you know. You know, out there, people, you don't realize when you when you when someone buys your collection, you don't know what's authentic or what's not. And when someone has to, when someone's purchasing it, they have to they have to evaluate it. But you can't tell on all the autographs. So you know, I'm going to have to do something like that. But I also made an interesting trade. I just well, tell me what you do. Uh, actually, I traded you know cash and money. I traded my John L. Sullivan handwritten letter for John Belushi signed check. And a Mickey Mantle Day uh, picture. We wrote Mickey Mantle Day, signed Mickey Mantle. Nice well, picture. You, like you, you, you needed another Mickey Mantle signature. Like you need a hole in the head, don't you? Don't you have like a million of them? Yeah, but this was a, a unique one. You know, plus I'll probably flip it. How much? What's the but, Belushi? What's the Belushi uh, autograph worth nowadays? I would say, you know, uh, I sent it off to Jimmy Spence to make sure the check was good and he wanted to buy it, but I already promised it to one of my buddies. So I think hopefully Jimmy's not upset with me. But I haven't gotten it yet, so I got to make, you know, I got to uh, finish the deal. Are you are you a little uh, 
less comfortable with um, celebrity autographs as opposed to sports autographs in 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 terms of your expertise than uh, you know you can yes. look you, you can look at a Ted Williams or a Joe DiMaggio and say yeah that's good and that that's not good but you know can you look at I don't know Clark Gable or just any Hollywood star and say oh yeah that's a good autograph. Uh, I know what a good you know I mean good mean valuable yes but I don't know per se if it's definitely authentic. Yeah. Does does Jimmy Spence authenticate uh, celebrity autographs as well? Yes, he does. And uh, is it for for you? Is it easier to move a sports autograph as opposed to a celebrity autograph, or uh, you just kind of stick with one the the guy the guys that you know that uh, you know you have a guy that's into John Belushi or whoever you're, you're picking up, and you know you know you can get unloaded pretty quickly. Um, I just have to send it off to one of my friends. And I sent it up, you know, and he, he was interested in it. You know, I, I just never saw one, a che- especially a check. So that's why I decided to go after it. And what, was this a, uh, from a, somebody that you purchased stuff from before? Or is this a, No, this it was somebody new that, that uh, contacted me on Facebook. Are you still getting a lot of people reaching out to you that, that want to purchase more than more so now than uh, you know, a couple of years ago when, when, COVID was 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 rampant as has business continually to grow for you in terms of people who want to sell stuff? Actually, what I have found that I'm finding more stuff more people want to sell to me now than than purchase from me. Because they think now stuff's they they're they've heard that stuff is more valuable or the prices are, are going up or what do you think? Why do you think? And then I had I had, I had a funny one. A guy I don't know who it was in my P.O. box. Some guy had some stuff and he saw some guy opening up some memorabilia in an envelope. And he he, he said, uh, you know, I have some stuff I want to sell. So the guy gave him my phone, gave him my P.O. box and said, look me up. And he called me, the guy. <laughs> so he's got some stuff. What's, which is what is what's he got? What, what, I mean, because you, you, you're in the New York area, do you see mostly a lot of New York uh, related stuff? What this guy had was Perez. I actually, it's kind of sad. His brother passed away, and he, he his his sister in law inherited some Perez Steel sign and some Hall of Fame placards. Mm-hmm. Most valuable Perez Steel was two satchel pages. Oh, but nice! They weren't nice. They weren't real. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. And he had he had like three Sandy Koufaxes on Perez that weren't real either. So that was kind of a bummer. Do you, are you seeing a lot more fakes or? or uh... In, in your daily uh, travels, is it, it sounds like you're seeing a lot of fakes lately. Yeah, I am actually. Uh, it's, you, it's kind of tough. Do you, Do you think that uh, what percentage of the stuff that you you that you run across is fake? Is it twenty percent of the stuff that you run across? Ten percent? Five percent? What do you think the the I, a collection? A, a friend of mine's cousin. I was kind of surprised. I mean, parcels I thought look look good in the tailor look good, but I never saw bad ones on either one of them until this time. Um, even a Jerry Rice was no good. Uh, uh, percentage wise, I usually factor in a couple. I mean, there's one big collection. There was one bad Jeter card signed, and and a Jeter subway sign. That and unfortunately, the subway sign is something that I wanted to keep. But this guy was a, a retiring dentist. He was easy to deal with. 
He just, I, unfortunately, I had to reconstruct the whole deal because he wanted it. He wanted a breakdown of everything I purchased from him. So I wish I did that. And then we, we worked out a, a suitable uh, refund. So that was fine. But there's one particular guy, you know, he's kind of ghosted me. But I said to him, okay, I learned my lesson for the future. You know, I'm only going to, I'm going to pay half down and half after everything is authenticated. And if people don't like it that way, I, I, I can't help it. And then I had this, another guy contacted me, another referral. And he's got a, an 86 giant helmet signed by the team. And they go 1,500, maybe 2,000 at most, right? Yep. So I just asked him, I said, well, what are you looking for on it? I want 6,000. That's what I paid. I want to at least get sick. I said, excuse me? I said, I don't think so. <laughs> so that kind of makes me leery of whether or not I even want to go see the guy's collection when a guy is, you know, he's triple retail. Yeah, are the people that you talk to now that are selling their stuff, do they, are they more educated because of the internet or do they have um, inflated values of, of this stuff? Like you said, the guy with the $6,000 helmet. Um, I think I think what the problem is with, the, with, with a lot of people nowadays is they'll go on eBay or they'll go online and they'll see something that someone's trying to get $5,000 for it. Not knowing that they haven't sold it, uh, and, and that's what they think it's worth, right? Because they're comping it out basically. You know, somebody's asking five thousand dollars for something that, and, and they haven't sold it. It's just a number that they have thrown out there, and uh, it's not a uh, a true comp. Exactly. I mean, if you're gonna go to that extreme, you should go to eBay and look at sales close. You know, sales closed. That'll give you a better idea, and that's what I did. I know myself. I had a ninety and a ninety-one. Um, Super Bowl helmets signed by the Giants. I think I sold them both for like twenty two hundred for both of them at the National. Okay. So I, you guys wanting for the eighty six? <laughs> wanted six thousand. I said I don't think so. <laughs> then I had another guy that he happened to have sold me a, a Mickey Mantle Mickey Mantle of the Mick. He sold it very. He, he posted it on Facebook. It was very reasonable. I think he wanted like thousand bucks or seven hundred bucks. So I bought it and I said, "What else you have?" He says, "I got two more." And then I got some uh, three 500 home run balls with two with Mantle and DiMaggio on a sweet spot. That's okay. I said, I'm interested in buying everything. Well, takes him a couple of months. He finally sends me some pictures and everything is certified. I mean, Mantle and DiMaggio on a sweet spot with the original 11 is a really nice piece. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I mean, the ball is probably 1,000, 1,500 most. Um, the, the Mantle, the Mick is probably a two grand ball. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Well, I said, so what do you want? And there was a Siva ball with Hall of Fame on there. So I said, what do you want for it? And he said, 15000 I said, okay, thank you. I don't think we're making a deal. <laughs> 15000 So you guys aren't even, like, if you if somebody wants that much, you're not even in the same stratosphere. Do you, you just walk away from it? It's not even worth it? Yeah, I said, thank you, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, I can't come there that I appreciate the offer, you know, go try to find someone else. Basically. What are some of the things you, you've uh, sold on your website and in your eBay store stores lately? What have I sold recently? Believe it or not, a bunch of celebrities have been selling them recently. I sold a Pacino eight by 10, um, from Scarface, just sold a couple of Leroy Neiman three by fives. I, oh, I sold something pretty interesting. I had I had a giant, like a 16 by 20 of Tom Seaver with his retirement when he retired his number. 
Nice. And and it was signed, you know, with the date. I sold that. Uh, I've been so well. I've, in the collection that I got, I got a lot of certified cards that were, um, you know, company certified. Yep. So I've been selling a bunch of those. I had like a Gooden and a Strawberry card. Um, but but it's interesting though. With and I have a Mantle card, going going gone score. Limited edition twenty five hundred, but it's light, and okay. I have it. I, mine is the cheapest authentic mantle card on eBay right now, and I've had people really lowballing me on it, which is crazy. I mean, I have it for five fifty. I had a guy offer me four twenty five, then three hundred, four hundred. I mean, I, I would probably take like four fifty for it, but it's still because it's a little light. But it's an authentic autograph. You're not going to get. There's no mantle autographs on a card that you're going to get that's that's certified like that for anywhere near that number. Have you picked up any of that? I know you you have a you love the mantle uh, autograph baseball cards. Have you picked up any more mantle autograph card baseball cards? Well, did you see what those mantle autograph cards went for? I know the, the whole run of them. Did you see that? Yeah, it was a friend of mine's collection. Uh, that was just an simply an amazing collection. Uh, that went for like almost a million bucks. I know. <laughs> I, I just think, you know, I just wonder if now's the time for me to get my money back and sell out, you know, you know, cash out on some of that stuff. Yeah, I know. I mean, you and I have talked. Yeah. When is the time? You never know. Right. Is you're, you're, you know. you're I guess it's mentally when you're you're ready to unload is the time, because, you know, if you if you, you get buyers remorse or sellers remorse, because because, oh, if I waited, if I held on to them for six more months, they would have been worth X. Or, oh, I shouldn't have held on to them for six months because the, the market's gone, gone down. So you never you never know. It's it's kind of like it's like having kids, right? You just there's no perfect time to have kids. You just they, they just come. Um, it's interesting, though. A number of years ago, Mantle really peaked and I didn't sell. Then during the pandemic, that's when he peaked again, even more than before. I mean, yep. he came down a little bit. Now, now he's peaking again. So, you know, I've been selling, sold a Mantle 10, a Mantle 9 ball. Um, and I don't have many of them left. What I've been selling a lot of, believe it or not, is Mantle 8x10s. People seem to love buying Mantle 8x10s. Yeah, maybe because you, you can display them, right? It's a, it's, it's a nice yeah. to display. And I also went for the Yankee old timers in the nineteen ninety eight team. Did you go? They just had the old timers game um, yeah, last week, right in, in Yankee Stadium. Did you go? I didn't go to the game. I just went to the hotel, and I went to the dinner afterwards. But Gita uh, came to the dinner. Did ignored of us. There was about a dozen of us coming in and going out. He usually he's pretty good, so he didn't he didn't pick up a pen. That was that was very upsetting. How about uh, anyone else? Did you get uh, Bernie Williams or Posada or Pettit or any of those guys? Bernie Williams had shoulder surgery, so he wasn't there. Okay. Probably the biggest name that I got that was there was Tim Raines. I got I got him on this year to appreciate his his rookie card. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a pretty good signer, right? He he's I know he doesn't he was, sign through the mail anymore, but. He's still a pretty good signer in person. He was a little, you know, he was a little tough. He went sign when he was with his daughters, and then he's with his agent, and you know, he finally broke down. The guy El Duque, uh, he's got a bunch of guys. 
As I said one earlier, Les, I'm proud of you. You're still out there pounding the pavement and <laughs> going to these events. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I don't, I don't do it that often. I, you know, I can't, you know, I got to tell you, you know, collecting all day, with, you know, for the Yankees, you know, it took its toll on me. I was exhausted. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, I mean, you're on your feet for whatever, eight, 10 hours. Yeah. Friday I was, I was beat. But what I really wanted is I wanted to get a Jeter on my Hall of Fame placard for my own collection. It's the only one I need now of all the living guys. Yeah, I know. I know. Jeter, Jeter showed up at in the national. He was in the uh, arena booth yeah. for, for a little while, but he wasn't. So he didn't, I don't think he signed at all. No, uh, yeah. I tried to offer some. Did you see him there? I didn't see him, but I went over and offered guys money before he was there to get my stuff signed. But no one wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, they, I, uh, I'm sure he he's a standoffish and. He's just kind of, uh, I guess he, he he he's tired of doing doing signing autographs. I don't know. He's actually one of the nicer guys. He's very he's very very good to the collectors, but surprisingly, he didn't do it. What do you get? You got um. What do you, anything else planned for the rest of the year? Or are you gonna are you gonna take it easy? Now? Uh, what do I plan for the rest of the year? Uh, I have the Boxing Hall of Fame. Okay, cool. City coming up, but unfortunately. Mr. George Foreman will not be there. I was hoping oh, to get him. Me. Uh, but there'll be other guys there. So I'm going to do that. And then what do I have? Then I have... I have the Hofstra show in in October. Oh, Jimmy, good. Ryan, Jimmy Ryan's doing it. And I'm going to have a... I'm going to have a nice stack of inventory you know, from this collection. I got a, two 1973 team-signed basketballs in the Knicks. I've got the 1990 uh, Super Bowl helmet signed by the Giants. Those are some of the better things out of the collection that I got. Um, but I got something interesting that I did keep, which it's, which I, I'm trying not to keep too much stuff anymore because I got too much shit. <laughs> I'm sure your wife appreciates that. Um, but I kept something. I kept a floorboard from the 69 Knicks that Steiner did a really nice thing with it. He got it signed by all the Knicks. And put in a nice frame, shadow box frame with uh, with pictures of the team, and the, the floorboard looks cool because it's cut and it's signed. It's about like an eight by ten size floorboard with with uh, Frazier and Reed and Bradley and Jackson and Monroe and Holtzman. So that I kept. <clears throat> have Have you seen uh, a shift in demand of anything that uh, in terms of people wanting stuff? You mentioned eight by ten photos. Is that uh, is, uh, are people more gravitating towards that as opposed to signed uh, pieces of memorabilia or uniforms or, st or something like that? What I am seeing is that for a while I was selling a lot of mantle balls. Now I'm finding a lot of people buying mantle photos. And you know what? The average person out there, I mean, a ball is a much better investment, but pictures is much more reasonable. I'm selling sure. photos 400, 450. I have one that's five fifty because it's signed Mickey Mantle number seven, and then you look at a ball; it's going to cost you at least eight to eight to fifteen hundred for a nice single sign ball on Mantle. So and it's it's um it's a good market. I mean, Mantle stuff never goes down. Yep. Well, guys, we're talking with Les Wolf. Les Wolf, of course, is from Les Wolf Sports LLC. He has a uh, eBay store. Why don't you give your eBay store again? Because I always mess it up. <laughs> Sports Autographs with Z's, S-P-O-R-T-Z-A-U-T-O, 
G-R-A-P-H-Z. He is also on uh, Les Wolf Sports LLC com and he has, he has a store there and you can check out all all the stuff if you're looking for anything cool for a gift you got we got all the holidays coming up and uh there's all sorts of cool stuff Les has and if you if it's not on his store um uh, send him an email or give him a call i'm sure he, he can uh find it for you he's got all sorts of stuff he will be out at the uh hoster show in uh, next month he has a booth there he's all well, at the best the uh, Boxing Hall of Fame down in Atlantic City uh, next month. And uh, he is the man when it comes to finding autograph stuff. And, and uh, he, he's just been doing it forever. And he and as a, he's he's been hitting the pavement, which I'm very impressed with, Les. That, that impresses me more than anything, you know. Yeah, but you know what? It, it's, you know, my buddy that I've been collecting with for like 50 years. Next year he turns 80 and, and Monday I turn 70. So... <laughs> I'm getting up there, you know. I don't know how many more years I'm going to be doing this. You know, I got eventually just, as they would say, hang up the pen. <laughs> I know it's just fun, though, right? It's still fun, even at your age. It's still fun to to interact with these guys and well, get- that, that, you know, that that's the best part of it. You know, hanging out, you know, talking to Rick Barry, and you know, hanging out and talking to him is cool. Um, so you you never know. Okay. And actually, getting more now. Anderson, the other two times before he was in the Hall of Fame, he was really a, a nasty guy. This time he took my helmet. Where do you want me to sign it? And, you know, and he was super nice. Yeah, I had him on the show probably about a year ago. He was he was a very good guest. And he is uh, he does that. He does a show out of Las Vegas. He's so, a big boy. now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he is. He be an offensive lineman for one of the football teams. Yeah, but he—I know he's—he—he uh, he will sign through the mail. I think—I think he's the twenty bucks. I think he's twenty bucks. I—I'm not hundred percent sure of that, but I know he does. He used to—he was signing through the mail for the longest time. But he personalizes everything. Um, if if you ask him not to, he, he won't. Because I—he signed one sign, one card he signed for me for, uh, and he personalized it. The other one he signed and he didn't personalize it. So well, you are the man. How are we doing on TTM? You got any TTMs out there? I'm just, I just started mailing out again. I told you. I think I <clears throat> I mailed out my my picture with my girlfriend that I can't wait to get yep. get signed. You remember who that oh, is? Yeah, Jacqueline Smith, right? Very good. When is I that? Did. You should. You that should be coming back to you soon. She's a pretty good, quick turnaround. I hope so. I'm looking forward to that. I just mailed out to Dan Hampton. I needed him on uh, my goal lines. And, and I know I'm mail, getting ready to mail out to Steve Tannen, the old Jet uh, Safety. Okay. Jerry, I found some cards on them. That did, I you ever do, did, did you ever send anything to Jerry Cheevers? I sent something out last week to him. Just take a shot at it. I probably sent it years ago. I haven't sent it in a while. Actually, another thing with this collection I got, it was very interesting. The guy had this stuff in his attic, and he had a, a sky a skylight. A, uh, what do you call it? A sky, uh, what do you call it? A skylight, yeah. Yeah, and this stuff got faded, and the first time I've ever seen even insert cards, I got like an Eli Manning that the whole autograph is faded off. A LT, a whole bunch of them got completely faded off. Oh, that's 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 a shame. Well, it, it's like you know, like the class I teach: collect, invest, protect, and preserve your memorabilia. A lot of people don't preserve it. They don't have you done any it. more? Have you done any more classes lately? I was scheduled to do one this past weekend on Saturday. They canceled. Uh, they rescheduled. 
I have another one coming up. Actually, I have one coming up for senior citizens guys in one of these developments. Okay. And they're project, projecting about 75 people. Oh, wow. And so that may keep me, that may, I may be there for a while. That's next Wednesday. It's coming, coming Wednesday. So I'm going to be a busy beaver with that. I got a couple, I got about five or six libraries coming up. The you best part busy. about it. You are, you are a busy man, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> yeah. The best part about it, you know, as far as doing the lectures is actually hearing the collections and hearing the people, what the people have and seeing what they have. Like I told you, the Seaford library that I went to is by far, I only had about a dozen people there, but by far and wide, the best stuff I've ever seen, except for when I was on the road show with ESPN. The and people just, brought stuff. What did they bring for you to uh, look at? I saw a Jordan rookie. I saw a Gretzky rookie. Signed or just regular? Just regular. Just raw. Uh, raw. I saw a Garrick album page that Hunt ended up his auctioning for this guy. Another woman had a bunch of mantle cards. I have an appointment to see her, I think, uh, next week. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff I saw. It was really very interesting. And and it was nice. You know, a lot of nice stuff. But the, the stories, how these people... Oh, and a guy. one guy had LeBron's first game. Did he ever play uh, um, uh, not not official game, but you know preseason, which even that ticket's worth some good money. Very cool. Well, guys, if you have anything that you'd like uh, less to do appraisals, we uh, on and give his opinion on. We do that uh, just about every month, and well, I think well maybe we'll do it in a couple of weeks. Less um, do our sure. do our September appraisal. So if you have anything that you'd like to have less do uh, an appraisal on and it's not official appraisal just his opinion uh what it's worth and maybe if you're you're questioned on a authenticity of a autograph you can send any of that stuff to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com that's ttmcast at yahoo.com put for less wolf and uh, i think we'll do that in two weeks less okay okay but and if anybody's looking to get anything authenticated you have to go to the number one source jimmy spence right we're talking this is all we're talking about is this is opinion we get you get you get the best opinion in the in the business for nothing <laughs> well the, the best opinion really is jimmy spence all right okay he, get the second best opinion in the business for nothing <laughs> uh you know i just give my rough idea i don't know everything all right but all right let's hope for no more injuries right let's get let's end this baseball season already because it's been brutal for for both my team and your team and the football season could be a long season with we're we're only week one of this thing (laughs) it's gonna be it's gonna be tough yeah it's 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 terrible i wonder who my jets are gonna get is their backup now i know why they're looking at colin kaepernick that doesn't make any sense to me are they? I didn't know. Yeah, that I, know. I think Colin Kaepernick's looking at them as opposed to the Jets looking at Colin Kaepernick. But I don't know. I don't know why his his name keeps rearing its ugly head every every year or so that he's ready to come back and and he he wasn't much of a quarterback when he when he was playing. Lastly, it was like he was like if somebody died in his family when we started we started talking Aaron Rodgers and yeah. Jets, but uh, it, it, the guys are the best, and uh, he 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 uh, just he he's out there with his helmet getting signed, his uh, pictures getting signed, and he just he's the man. He he's still he's still doing it, so uh, I'm proud to consider less a friend, and it's great that we have him to contribute to the show. Don't you think, Drew? Absolutely. I mean. 
the guy has forgotten more about autographs than either of us will ever know in our lives. So it's, yeah, I mean, this guy, when you say expert, that is the expert in the field. Yeah, he's the man. Well, uh, that wraps up our more from less segment. Next up, we're going to have Collector's Corner. And now it's time for Collector's Corner. Let's hear from our collector this week. This segment is sponsored by Collects, the free app for scanning and cataloging your cards. Buy or sell cards on the marketplace. Turn the hobby into your side hustle today. Well, this week, Drew, we had uh, Reed Larson, who played uh, 14 seasons in the NHL. He played with the Detroit Red Wings and the Boston Bruins primarily. He also played with Edmonton Islanders. And I think he played actually played a game with the Sabres. So he, yes. <laughs> there was one game in there with the Sabres. Uh, he scored over 200 goals. Uh, and he's an American. So he's. I think he's... If he hasn't had most goals scored by American, he's right up there, probably with with uh, with uh, Brett Hall and a couple other guys, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, and, uh, I mean, he's yeah, written. He's, a, he's written he's a new least, book. He's at least I would bet top among American defensemen, if I had to guess. He's... Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, but he's not in the Hall of Fame, and we talk about that. Um, we talk with Reed Larson and uh, Jeff Olson, who he uh, wrote a book with. It's called the The Shot, the Reed Larson Hockey Story. And we're going to be giving away two copies of Reed's book. So if you want to win a copy of Reed Larson's book, send, just put in your your um, in the email. Just put Reed Larson as the subject line. Send me your name and your mailing address to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, and we'll give away two copies of Reed Larson's book next week. We'll we'll make announce that next week. So if you want to win a copy of Reed Larson's book, it's available on Amazon.com. It's called The Shot, the Reed Larson Hockey Story. Uh, but uh, we have an interview. Uh, we talked to Jeff Olson and Reed Larson about uh, the book and about Reed, Reed's career in the NHL. So please enjoy my interview with Jeff Olson and Reed Larson. All right, guys, I'd like to welcome to the show a veteran of 14 seasons in the NHL. He played for the Detroit Red Wings, the Boston Bruins, the Edmonton Oilers, and had cups of coffee, right? I guess cups of coffee is the best way to describe it. With the uh, New York Islanders, Minnesota North Stars, and the Buffalo Sabres, he played in over 900 NHL games, scored 222 NHL goals. NHL goals. He was an all-star three times in 1978, 1980, and 81. He is a member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame and elected in 1996. And I'd like to welcome Reed Larson to the program. Welcome, Reed. Thank you, Jeff. Great to be well, here. Also, we have Jeff Olson. Jeff Olson is uh, has co-written a brand new book with Reed. The book is titled The Shot, The Reed Larson Hockey Story. And we're going to talk a little... Uh, about the book with Reed and Jeff, and then we're going to talk a little about um, just kind of Reed's playing career and and some collectibles uh, once we once we get into it. So Reed, first, uh, really, I'd like to talk to you about the shot. You really get you, you know you yeah, did, really... you went really deep into it and how you you trained for the shot and how you perfected the shot. Was this something as you were growing up that you 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 realized, hey, I got a pretty good shot here? Yeah, you know it's, it's funny because. Yeah, you know, you, some people get turned off, you know, you know, like to brag about it or talk about it. But but when you get asked and about it so much or so it's brought up so much and, you know, and, and, it, and it becomes effective if you use it the right way. Uh, so growing up, I, I became fascinated with playing with older players always and then shooting the puck and trying to keep up with them, uh, curving sticks, trying different sticks, curving them on a, over a pan of water over with a flame like a like a gas flame, you know, like a welder's flame deal. So you know, you always were messing around, 
And uh, there was a particular fellow that was about four or five years older than me that would stay at the park late, and we'd skate together and just shoot and, uh, and you know, test each other and so forth and compete. So that's kind of how it got started uh, as far as into shooting. I just got fascinated with it. What what makes it a heavy shot? Because everyone uh, commented that obviously it was fast, but it was a heavy shot as well, kind of like, a, a I guess, a sinker ball in, in baseball. Uh, how did How did that come about uh, making your shot heavy well it might it's a combination of a lot of things i believe um you know you have you know golf everybody wants to hit the ball a long ways you know farther and farther and farther and some end up doing it successfully some end up screwing up their game or their swing but you know with, with the shooting the the puck uh i would say combination of muscle development muscle memory uh, repetition stick design uh, you know, and like I said, so it's just a lot of things as you're growing up and it happened probably starting at age 11 or 12 till 18, 19 years old, you know, I would water ski. And like I mentioned in the book, some of these things, yep. you water ski, I bear, I started water skiing at like five, six years old. I was barefooting by 14 doing slalom courses and tournaments, high bar. I went to day camp with YMCA. My counselor was a gymnastics state champion for uh, high bar and trampoline, and I thought that was a blast. So we were always doing, uh, you know, tr gymnastics. Then I wrestled. I grew up in the city of Minneapolis where there was free sports. You went to public school. Uh, every year in the fall there was football. You know, then there was wrestling. Then there was some gymnastics in the summer. I mean, there's all kinds of things that you could participate in. And I was only two or three blocks away from the park growing up. So that's what we had, you know, that's what we did. Everybody would go down and do these things and participate. And you kind of found out what you really liked or, you know, what you were, uh, really wanted to pursue. So as far as the shooting goes, it, there is a lot of things that go into it, which like Jack Blatter has mentioned, I didn't really notice. I didn't plan it. It just, it just kind of happened. But it, the shooting part of the game was, was, uh, was fascinating and, I think I had some help from some older players at the time and, and they were allowing me to play with them and they were probably four, five, six years older. I lost a couple of teeth doing that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you prefer going high with your shot and trying to hit, a, hit one of the corners or did you prefer, uh, you know, going low, hitting the five hole was, did you have a preference in your, when, it, it would, when you got to a college and pro level, I looked at it this way. If I was shooting from the point at a stationary from a stationary position, yep. I would try to shoot one to you know on the ice to six inches off the ice. So I'm trying to get over the goalie's pad when he splits, but you're trying to make it a lot easier for the player to tip, or you know, uh, or let you know so the player stands in front of the net. Yep. But you know, lower shots were better for rebounds, usually better for accuracy, and usually better for tip ins usually. Who was who was the toughest? So I tried to keep him lower. Who was the toughest goalie you, you you went up against? Somebody that we really had a trouble uh, getting the puck by him. <laughs> well, Ken Dryden comes sure. to mind right away. At the time, you know that most goalies were short in stature. He was like six five back then, and the, and he you know he was a tough he was tough. He would play. He wasn't a guy that moved. I don't want to use flopper. Goalies probably hate that, but. You know, there's acrobatic goalies and, you know, jump around and like a cat. But he he was he was a guy, you know, like you say, you read his books and he studies. He kind of was very analytical and 
he kind of just was playing the angles all the time, but also covered a lot of the net. Um, you know, Billy Smith obviously was very, very good. Uh, you know, Grant Fear was good. Some of the guys had a little better luck against than others, and you know, who knows? But but I I, I would say Kenny Dryden and Billy Smith were two guys at the time that were pretty hard to get the puck by. Now, Bobby, you are redefined your position as a defenseman. He was really the first, one of the first guys and in, in person person that perfected that offensive defenseman. Um, did you model your yeah, game? Yeah, you know. I know you can go, you know, numbers, goals, assists, which, which for the short time Bobby Orr played and the numbers he puts up and the control he had of the game that he took, you know, of the game was, was amazing. I don't know if that'll ever be replaced. And everybody has their time in history. The human body gets bigger, stronger, and faster. There's more players, more people, more competition. But Bobby Orr, you know, picture him in my bedroom and Bobby Hall, those two guys. But when you watch Bobby Orr play, you know, there's not too many not too many coaches that on a penalty shot pull your goalie and put your defenseman in, and then he comes out to meet you. So, I mean, just to give you an idea what what he did to the game or for the game, uh, watching him, whether it was, you know, handling the puck, shooting the puck, uh, smart, you know, he was tough. You know, he was well-balanced. You know, you, you had a lot of defensemen that were big and tough, but maybe not as skilled. Then you had some that were really skilled, but really weren't protective or enforcers or show up in the corner, you know. So, I mean, Bobby Orr was well-rounded. He was just skated effortlessly. Um, Paul Coffey skated like that. That's the only guy I can think of that was really kind of skated similar to that. But, uh, but yeah, Bobby Orr definitely was the pioneer. He was the standard. He was the – he set the bar for sure. When you uh, you spent two and a half years in Boston and with Bruins, did you get to um, discuss hockey in, in, in your game with Bobby when, when you were here? Well, I had an auto accident. Short, I think shortened my career and screwed things up. You know, I, I was T-boned in an accident. My suburban was laying on my arm and oh wow, had nerve damage and all that. So I had to I had to do some recuperation and and work at uh, Boston uh, General Mass General or whatever okay. it is, and the Kincom it was called. But I got to do a couple charity events while I was rehabilitating to get ready to play with Bobby Orr, and the guy oozes class. I mean, number one and. Uh, uh, it was fun to talk to him about hockey and meet him a few times and just really a classy guy. And, and so the two guys that, you know, if you guys, not to jump ahead, but the, the two guys that really stick out for defensemen in all of NHL history is, you know, uh, Bobby Orr and Larry Robinson. Larry Big Bird Robinson, too, is a guy that, you know, he might not put up the, the huge numbers that some of the defensemen, but for one big game in the playoffs or Stanley Cup finals or to control your end, to control, to control the other team's tough players, to control the, the zone. Uh, the guy was, yeah, he, he owned the ice when he was out there. So it was pretty interesting. Jeff, well, uh, the, uh, you've written the book with uh, Reed. It's called The Shot, The Reed Larson Hockey Story. Um, what did you surprise you about uh, writing the book w- with Reed? Because, you know, I'm sure you knew him as a fan, but what surprised you um getting all these stories out of Reed and uh, learn, learning about um, his background. What really surprised you writing the book? We just mentioned, uh, Reed just mentioned, and, and you, Larry Robinson. And what really came home and really came on strong that's maybe surprised me a little bit is the connections that Reed has with former teammates and players throughout the league. And Larry Robinson is a great example of that. And back to the book, 
Larry Robinson says, hey, hockey, hockey players. This is a hockey must read. And Larry Robinson, mainly known as the best defenseman ever, uh, Hall of Famer, Hockey Hall of Famer, 20 years, six Stanley Cups, and he coached for another 10 years. But Larry played his entire career during, or I should put it the other way, Reed Larson played his whole career while Larry Robinson was playing. And when we mentioned Larry and getting back, you talked about, Jeff, uh, the shot. That's the other thing that came on really, really strong in talking <laughs> to a lot of players. And that's the big thing about the book is there's a lot of contributions by other players. So, for instance, the chapter on high school, it's his high school coach, it's his co-captain. The, the chapter on college hockey with Herb Brooks and winning a 1976 national championship, there's the captain of the team, the leading scorer, uh, Tom Vanelli. And then in the NHL, we have all these contributions, and especially going back to the shot. And that's what I was just mentioning. These players say, well, what about Bobby Hall? I, I ask him on the phone or when I talk to him or I email back before I say, no, Reed Larson had the hardest, heaviest shot. And those are the words of Larry Robinson. So a lot of hockey, hockey people nowadays, you see all these online, uh, you know, who's the top 10 uh, hardest shots? Uh, what about this Shara? What about uh, Al McGinnis, this, that? But I always say now, after talking to these players and getting their contributions for the book, Larry Robinson, he says, and he was in the same division, Canadians and the Red Wings. They played six games regular season that first year and five uh, playoff games between the Red Wings and the uh, Canadians, Dryden in the net, 11 games. And he said nobody had as hard as heavy a shot. Jim Rutherford, longtime goalie, moves yep. on to do great things with general manager. He faced Bobby Hall. And he said, no, nah, no way. Larson had a harder, heavier shot. So it's interesting when you mentioned the shot, the book has 26 pages, an eight-step breakdown. It has a lot of quotes from uh, 10 different players, five goalies. We've got uh, Eddie Mio, Mario Lassard, Jim Rutherford. And we've got uh, Kevin Lowe, the defenseman of the dynasty with the Oilers during the uh, 80s and also had a cup with the Rangers. And, of course, Larry Robinson, too. But you mentioned the goalies a while back. Really an interesting thing. Reed Larson steps in that rookie season in 1977-78. He has two seasons, the last two seasons of Ken Dryden, the Canadians. He has Jerry Cheevers for two seasons with the Bruins. Then Rogie Vachon takes over with the Bruins. But he was with the Kings those first two seasons. Then he had Bernie Perrant with the Flyers. Tony Esposito with Blackhawks. Billy Smith with the Islanders. So you have an 18-team league at the, those first two seasons. And of those 17 teams, he's facing six goalies that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Then during his career, towards the end, Patrick Waugh comes in. Grant Fuhrer, of course, with the Oilers for a number of years. And uh, Eddie Jockman actually with the Red Wings a little bit back and forth. So nine goalies in the Hockey Hall of Fame. It was really an era of concentrated Hockey Hall of Fame. But the big thing is that shot, nobody had as hard and as heavy a shot. And there's some great stories in the book. There's one about Dennis Hextall, who was captain of the Red Wings, uh, Reed's rookie season, 77-78. And he'd played for the Rangers, played for Gold Steels, three-time All-Star, played for the North Stars. So it's a power play. The puck goes back to the point. Reed's going to take the shot. And Hextall's 
trying to get his stick around so he could get a nice tip in. The hard shot comes so fast and heavy, he can't get a stick around. The shot hits his skate, and the support classical is tech, the old CCM. <laughs> it shatters, shatters the skate. It goes into 10, 50 pieces, goes in the corner. It flips over Hexall because he's, he can't, he has only one leg. He looks up, the puck goes in the net, he gets goal. <laughs> and Larson gets the, and that's the other thing about it. We have a shot like that. And it really, Reed was the king of power play points and goals. But many times on a power play, the goalie might do acrobatics to make that save if they're lucky enough. And where's the puck? It's just lying there. And that's why there's the Ford's lines. They love it. They tip it in. They get the power play goal. And yep. the Reed gets the assist. So a uh, huge uh, presence on the power play. Reed, do you have that's a favorite? The funniest thing is watching, the funniest yeah. thing is watching Hexel get to the bench. So on one, <laughs> on one, one leg. On one skate. Yeah. <laughs> Reed, do you have a favorite mo mo moment on the ice? Do you, do you have a favorite goal or a favorite moment on the ice? You've played in 904 games. Is, there, is it hard to pick out one or yeah, two? Yeah, you know, there's. I wish you could see Stanley Cup <laughs> playoffs or games. I know you guys almost you almost know. did it in Boston. You almost did it in Boston. Hey Reed, yeah, how we about did. the uh, Reed? How about yep. the nineteen eighty All Star game? Your discussion. Yep. Tell them about That's the discussion before the game, Gordy Howe, and you do get a go ahead. Yeah, so there's there's a couple you know a couple of the All Star games that I played in. The first one in nineteen eighty is. Uh, my rookie, my rookie season no. in uh, Buffalo, and uh, yep, it, yeah, yep. I know. This, like, there's two of them. This way, yep, so yep. This, the first one is 1980, and I'm sitting in the corner looking around the dressing room, and you have like the French Connection line: uh, Gilbert Perrault, Rini Robert, Richard Martin. You got Guy Lafleur, Lemaire, Shot, uh, Yvonne Cornway, Larry Robbins, Search of Art, Guy Point, Boris Selming, Brad Park. Kenny Dryden, Scotty Bowman's coaching, and Marcel Dion. I mean, so it was kind of like, what the heck am I doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> and that was that was pretty impressive. And we won that game three to two. And there was a couple of fights. And it wasn't like all star. It was a serious, like a neighborhood brawl. You know what I mean? It was it was a very serious competitive game. And then the one that uh, Jeff was talking about in Detroit. Uh, Larry Robinson, we're getting ready to go out on the ice. He says, you know, Gordy, this will be probably one of Gordy's last games. I, I can't remember, Jeff, how old he was at the time. I don't know if he was 50 or whatever it was, but he was playing yep. in the All-Star game. He says, we got to get Gordy a point or a goal, something for this last game. And I think he ended up getting a goal, I think, didn't he, Jeff? I'm not sure. but Well, you got a Larry goal, was... and Robinson got a goal, and your team won, coached by Scotty Bowman. But, yeah, that was uh... – he had just come yeah, from the WHA, Gordy Howe, his 23rd All-Star game, his last one. Tell him about the introduction of all the players in the crowd. Uh, unbelievable, of course, in he, Detroit. They yeah, hadn't so seen I, him for Obviously, yeah, obviously. Oh, hang on. I'm, well, obviously, uh, it's my at home, home All-Star game in Detroit. And uh, they're introducing the starting lineup. And uh, so, and I'm next to the you know last guy, and I come out to the bench, get introduced, and then I start skating out to the ice to line up for the anthem, and and the crowd is on its feet. It's so loud I can't even hear or see it. And 
I'm going, geez, what the heck is going on? <laughs> and I turn around and line up, and there's Gordy Howe standing out on the bench, not on the ice yet, but just at the doorway and the crowd. And I think, I don't know what the official time, it seemed like it went on forever, but it was like a 15-minute standing ovation for Gordy Howe, and it just seemed like it never stopped. I've never witnessed anything like it ever in sports or on TV or anything. It's pretty, it was pretty cool. So, but I, yep. for me, that was uh, a defining moment for sure. Jeff, that Ray, is a, you, um, the All-Star game. A quick note is a great uh, discussion because Reed comes directly from college hockey for his rookie season. Within three months, early January, three months of play, starting in October, he selected the All-Star team. And he just mentioned that Wales team coached by Scotty Bowman, while the other four defensemen, five, are all Hockey Hall of Famers. You know, Brad Park, uh, Serge Savard, Keela Point, Larry Robinson. Larry Robinson. And Bjorn, Bjorn Salmi. Gloria Salmi. But th- yeah. he selected, after three months of play, to be an all-star. And then that year, no other rookie defenseman in their rookie year had ever scored 60 points. Not Dennis Potvin, not uh, Bobby Orr, not Brad Park in their rookie season. And then he goes on to be the first American at any position to score 200 goals. So there's a lot of firsts and a lot to prove or demonstrate that high top offensive defenseman that you were referring to earlier. Yes, completely revolutionized by Bobby Orr, creates the new position, wins the scoring title a couple of years up high. Then he has the injury about three years before rejoins, but that whole group of five that we would be part of, Brad Park, Dennis Potvin, Larry Robinson, and Bjorn Salming, take that new position and bring it into this golden era of a lot of top offensive defensemen that Reed is at the top or near the top for those ten, first 10 years. Reed, did you keep any of your um, all-star memorabilia for, from when you played? Did you keep any jerseys or um Yeah, or- I have the jerseys. I mean, it was kind of a funny thing. It's I was picked for four all-star games. We played in three. There's a long story and why the four, I didn't go for the fourth one, but another player went. But I I did keep three of the jerseys. Uh, there, you know, I have those at home. And people I know sometimes sell or get rid of them or hand them off or don't. But I I remember I can't remember when somebody said at the all-star game to me. I think it was Gila Point. Uh, you know, always hang on to this. He says, don't don't give it up no matter what. So I mean, it's pretty interesting. Um, but I still have them. Yep, it's, it's fun. They're hanging in the closet, of course. But so oh, no, you got to get them framed and put them, put them up on the wall. Those things are nice. Yeah, they are. Back then, it's pretty cool. Some of those jerseys are kind of thick, woven, heavy, and hot. <laughs> you know, they're not <laughs> like the, the new stuff. But but yeah, those those are really really memorable times for me because you know you you it's been I was lucky to play in an era that I played in. Okay, so. This is not about me. This is about when I got to play, the players that I got to play with and against uh, is to me is kind of what I cherish. Uh, unbelievable guys, great players, great and you know, Stanley Cup, Hall of Famers, uh, players that were in the league when I was in high school and college, just you know idolizing, and uh, it was a real thrill for me. So did you did you keep your the goal your first goal the puck from your first goal or do you have any of those? Uh... Special goals, maybe yep, two. I have that. I, I, yeah, I scored that in Pittsburgh, and I still have that puck somewhere. Uh, dig it <laughs> out, you know, somewhere. But I do. I have that. Yep. I still have one stick left that I played with 
an original game stick. You know, over the years, people ask you to donate and stuff like that, but uh, I think it's got a few things left, like you say. But uh, anyways, it's it's fun to it's fun. To, you know what Jeff did is he it was his idea to do this book, and and he put in so much work and fact finding and interviews and. Uh, but it's been really a lot of fun kind of reliving and, and finding out things that I didn't know Jeff did. So it was very, very, very interesting. Hats off to him, too. So, Reed, were you a card collector as a kid? Did you collect hockey cards, baseball cards, any of that stuff? I have a funny story on that one. Um, my two brothers and I, we all slept in one bedroom upstairs in a little house in South Minneapolis. My dad was a truck driver. My mom worked at Sears. You bought every time you bought bubble gum or candy, you got baseball cards, right? Yep. And uh, I bet you we had. I cry when I tell this story. I bet you we had upstairs in our closet about eight to ten shoe boxes full of baseball cards, rookie cards. And I sometimes hear, or read, or see what baseball cards are worth nowadays. Yep. And I know, I know, because when we moved and we all grew up in. She threw them out because we oh, organized no. clean. <laughs> Honest to God, you guys, you know Mickey Mantle. I don't care Hank, Hank Aaron. It doesn't matter. Yastrzemski, but you can all these old an old timer ones. Lou Dobbs. I mean, that, I remember, and I wish I had the hockey ones. But you know, back then we had some. But but the baseball, I know. Hundred, there had to have been hundreds of thousands of dollars thrown away. <laughs> oh for no, sure. no, not, anyway. not that, mom. Do you? What was your? Uh, I know. What was your feeling when you got your first card? Got your first rookie card? Your first card uh, from Tops? Was that special for you? I you always go, wow! They did that already. I mean, this is like you're not expecting it usually. You know, they kind of laugh because somebody you know hands you a card and you you know wow you know you're you're definitely surprised you know because they sometimes if you have a pretty good start. They they get on it pretty good. And do you get a few cards? They don't see much. Hmm? Do you still get yeah. autograph requests through the mail? And, and um, do you sign a lot of stuff? Uh, I'm in uh, insurance. Since, yeah, I get them on a weekly basis. And of course, I can only imagine guys like Gretzky, Lemieux, Messier, these guys, uh, what they get. But but yes, I I get every week, and it can be from Poland, Russia, Sweden, Finland, Italy, you know, Canada. You know, all over the Canada, United States, of course, all the time, but uh, but a lot from Europe too. But yeah, on some weeks there's a couple, and some weeks there's a dozen. You know, it's, but yeah, you get requests with self-addressed stamped envelopes to sign cards and send them back, and uh, it's kind of interesting what sometimes what they have to say and uh, anything from too bad you couldn't have played for a better team to you know thanks for your, <laughs> it was fun watching it. I mean. You know, and I love Detroit. I love the organization. It just, it was just not a, it was a tough time for them, you know, management. Yeah, I mean, wise. 10, you know, 10 I years later, ten year, if you could have been 10 years later, you would have yeah. been all those great teams, you know. I really believe when Scotty got there, that's when, you know, I think Jock Demers did a good job and they were in the playoff competitive, but really when Bowman got there, that's when things started clicking. And uh, like I said, I had 12 coaches, 10 years, four general managers. You know, we took three team pictures a year, like too many new bodies. <laughs> it just, this doesn't work. You know what I mean? So, you know, fighting's part of hockey, and I think the fans love it. Um, do you have a favorite fight uh, from your playing days? Somebody that you 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 really like going at it with? Well, you know, 
I would, I guess I consider myself a middleweight. I'm not, it was hard to fight when you're, you know, one thing, you know, growing up in, in the States, you know, I, I got into a few altercations in hockey, of course, and in, in college, we had five minute majors like the pros. So we got into fights there, but in high school, you, you know, and I, you know, I grew up in Minneapolis and you're playing all kinds of sports, you're hanging out all kinds of places. And then, you know, a few bar fights, but I, you know, it's not like I hadn't been in a fight, some fights before, but it was always hard for when the coach says, taps you on the shoulder and say, go get this guy, which didn't happen very often, but it did. And I'm going, well, what did he do? You know what I mean? Like he hasn't <laughs> done anything yet. Number one. And number two is, you know, it's more of a reactionary fighter. And I was a middleweight and I, I did fight against some heavyweights and I just said, I was just thankful to get out of there without any major damage. You know what I mean? You showed up and, uh, you know, so yeah, there was, Fighting was a big part of it. People loved watching his excitement and intimidation. But, yeah, and, and, and some of the tougher guys really didn't like to fight or didn't always fight. But when you made them fight, you, you know, I think they shocked a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But I do – I should mention, though, that I was, I think, captain or assistant captain. And when Bob Prober and Joey Kosher broke in together, that was quite a year. <laughs> I yeah, I say, Bob you. Prober was they, a tough, they, real tough guy. Well, Joey Kosher and Bob Proer are together, and we we were on the road and uh, fighting, you know, playing against other players. They would look at the the uh, the program before the game at like a menu, like who had the most penalty minutes on the other team, and that's who they would pick and go after. And uh, it, it, you know, it was pretty wild. I thought it was pretty wild, and they would kind of argue with each other. That we we're, you know, which guy they would get, and I said, hey, hey, you guys, settle down. We got a game to play. You know, you know, they were trying to argue with each other which guy they wanted to take. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned. I think you captain. remember, okay. Jeff. I'm gonna, that. I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna jump in for a second. Go ahead. Hackstall, Reed Larson's captain of the team of the Red Wings, rookie season, 77-78. Talking to Hexel, he said, Reed Larson never lost a fight. Second, he says, his fights were boom, boom. Take five seconds, two quick shots, and that was it. Third, in the yeah. book, that rookie season, November, the month of November. So you start the middle of October. So basically, uh, you're just uh, in your rookie season. It's your third week through your whatever, your uh, your uh, six weeks, seventh week or so. Five fights in four games, but almost <laughs> each one is against, because one game had two fights, against the team's fighter. So who's on the Penguins? Dave Schultz. Broad Street Bullies, he had that season with the Penguins. And actually, he has more penalty minutes per season records than Tiger Williams. So each one of those four, Bob Nystrom, Mario Trombley, Canadians, uh, down the line, uh, Larson won all those. There's an interesting story. Uh, Later, towards the end of the season, Hextall talks about it, that a guy kept bugging him, bugging him, and when we looked it up, it was Willie Platt playing for the Atlanta Flames towards the end of the season, which was a good decisive game for the Red Wings because they hadn't been in the playoffs for seven seasons in the seventh season. And their first round of playoffs would be the Flames that they beat and went on to play the Canadians the next uh, round. So Larson in that game 
has two fights with the same player, Willie Plett, in the same game, in the same period, and within eight minutes and 31 seconds. So if they're both serving that major for five minutes, it only leaves about three minutes left for that second fight. So he, Larry Robinson made a good point, too, that no, Larson was not a quote-unquote fighter, not the goon guy. He was very polished, offensive defenseman, high-end scorer, but he also defended. And as Kevin Lowe pointed out, too, he was really, really recognized and appreciated that by players throughout the league, that, yeah, he was a scorer and a high-end scorer, but he defended well. And if somebody was provoking his teammates or somebody was provoking the game, he took care of business, kind of like Larry Robinson. Larry Robinson certainly went on a fighter and gooner, but boy, he messed with his teammates, and he took care of business. Reed, I'm, I'm a, a big uh, Bruins fan. I know you spent a couple of years here in Boston. Can you share a, a story that that maybe you hadn't that isn't in the book? Just something that that would uh, interest me as a Bruin fan. That something that happened with uh, one of your teammates or a, a, a guy that you really enjoyed playing as a team uh, as a teammate. Just sh- sh- share yeah. a Bruin story with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I when I played the Bruins and I really loved playing there. And some great guys and Cam Neely was freshly traded over from Vancouver, and the young guy, you know, I, I don't know if he's 18 or 19 drafted by Vancouver. When he got to Boston, he still might have been 20 or 21 or pretty young, you know. And, uh, of course, after a big trade, you know, you're kind of new and it's frustrating. And and uh, I just remember, you know, and Ricky Middleton's a good friend, and, we, you know, you got the night the lights went off in the playoffs and we lost our home ice advantage. But but I Cam Neely and Mark Messier, these guys are power forwards, and Cam – I remember having a fight with Scott Kleinendorf, and usually when a guy gets in a fight and doesn't do well the first time around, he's kind of done. He doesn't go back at it. But uh, Cam is a, I call him mean motor scooter, but he was a great player, but he's a big, strong, tough guy. But him and Scott Kleinendorf, who's from Grand Rapids, is a big, strong, tough guy. They uh, they got in a fight, and Scott kind of got Cam. And Cam, I, can't, I remember Cam in the dressing room kind of just sitting there real silent, kind of just was a, a mad look on his face and boy, the next period started, he went out and they went at it again. And he tagged Kleinendorf and knocked him pretty sit down silly. And I, I'm just saying, wow, this guy, you know, I've seen a lot of fights where, you know, one guy kind of takes it or wins and the other guy loses and they, you know, not too often they go back at it and, and it wasn't long before Cam, the next period started, he, he made a beeline, man. He said that one, he wasn't going to stay with that, that decision. He was going to write that decision, I should say. So, I, I always thought, you know, and he was a great, great leader there, great player. And another another player that, you know, didn't get a cup that was probably, a, you know, a cup-type player, you know. So, uh, yep. and then Ricky Middleton, they oh. called Nifty. They called Nifty. You know, he, he had hands of silk. I'm going to see him in about two weeks, I think, Ricky Middleton in Detroit. There's a Detroit Red Wings-Boston Bruins alumni game September 30th in Detroit. I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a lot of fun. But, uh yeah, the night the lights went out in the playoffs, and then Cam Neely and Ricky Middleton, um, and then uh, some of the the old the old garden, some of the brawls in the old garden. My goodness, it's like the Roman Coliseum. I think with the locker rooms, nowhere to hide there. With the locker rooms as bad as they say they were. Yeah, they were. I hate to say the it, garden. but they were. <laughs> they were bad. <laughs> They were bad, but the, the that uh, that balcony reminds me of the Detroit Olympia's balcony here, kind of out, out over the ice. Yeah, you know it's kind of cool. I think it's a great seating, you know, great place to watch a game. But that rink there, 
I think more injuries happen there because the rink was so small. I think the bigger the rink, the less injuries. The smaller the rink, more injuries. <laughs> it seems to be that way, you know. Did you enjoy playing in, in Europe? Small, you know, you did skate. you enjoy in the, playing in smaller rinks like Buffalo and Boston, or as opposed, or did you like playing in those? Yeah, I did for, for for shooting. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. The shooting did, becomes more effective, more physical, more upper body, more physical. I think, and less room, and it's kind of like. You got regular pool and then you got bumper pool. You know, you got a bank yep. stuff. I mean, in a smaller rink, you really had to, you know, a lot more bank your passes and uh, a tighter area. Definitely noticeable in those two rinks, Buffalo and Boston. It definitely was noticeable. Jeff, I know uh, in the book, the book we're talking about, of course, is The Shot. It's the Reed Larson hockey story that uh, you wrote along with Reed. And Jeff, you know, one of the things that, that, um, surprises a lot of people when i when i talk about reed is that that he's not in the hockey hall of fame um writing the book and you, you make it you make a lot of use a lot of statistics to help support uh you know his his, his greatness and, and and i know your your bachelor reed you don't like to hear that but you, you had a great career do you think um it's inevitable that reed will get in the hockey hall of fame jeff he should be there he's worthy of it one of the chapters in the book chapter nine is a discussion of that and it's great to have this, uh, Jeff, because the book just came out. It's available on um, Amazon Books. A lot of new, fresh information, especially for a lot of great hockey people. But back to the Hall of Fame, the discussion points out a number of offensive achievements and categories that he's way uh, ahead of many, many players, offensive defensemen, that are in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So two categories out of probably seven or eight to highlight, but one in fact, Kevin Lowe brought it up first to Reed and I that in the all-time defense, so all-time defensemen, all players, most goals per game, reads number five all-time. So only behind Bobby Orr, Dennis Potvin, Paul Coffey, and Ray Bohr. Ahead of everybody else, Larry Robinson, Al McGinnis, Phil Housley, Phil Blank. And then second, very interesting his first nine years, rookie season plus the eight years, the total goals, the defense for that nine year, he's number one. Head of Larry Robinson, head of Potvin, head of Mark Howe counting his two years in WHA during those uh, first two years. Uh, so incredible achievements. And then getting down to the details of the last couple of classes of the Hockey Hall of Fame, the NHL players for the last two classes, including 2023, that will have their induction here in November. There is 0 for 4, both of those classes, for any defenseman. So 0 for 8, the last two defensemen. So I think this is the year. This is it. Maybe there'll be one defenseman uh, more recently that played maybe, oh, 20, 30 years ago or somewhere in there. And there'll be Reed Larson from his era. So that would be uh, a great achievement and very, very well-deserved. I agree. Fingers crossed for you, Reed. Reed, you, you and uh, Rick Middleton, I love to see guys, both of you guys get in. I think you're you're more than deserving, and uh, it, it was great. it's great to talk to you about your career and playing hockey. Reed, just a couple more questions, and I'll let you go. I know we're going over time, but I really enjoy, enjoy our talk. Um, did you enjoy being captain of the the Red Wings? Was that something that that you were you were striving for when when they when they asked you to be captain, or you know what was that like? 
Well, it was an honor, of course, and I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I probably would have stayed captain for, for quite a while, I think, but we, we got new management and new coach, and uh, I think the the new coach, I think Wayne Maxner from Windsor, uh, I don't know, I think he, he traded five of our first-round draft picks away, and they weren't even, none of them were even 25 years old yet. And I love Danny Gare and Jim Schoenfeld and the guys they traded for, great guys, love them. But I, at that time, you know, we were just kind of getting going in a young team, and it just was just, uh, you know, you can argue good or bad, you know. And even these guys, Danny Gare, I think, made captain and Schoenfeld, which were, you know, I have no problem with whatsoever. But that's kind of, there's some some things happen that are just out of your control. And, uh, and like I said, and there's some guys that, Probably got, you know, a chance to coach in NHL that probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. it's just my opinion, I guess. But uh, things happen, and uh, we're not the only, you know, Toronto and, and Detroit have gone through long periods of, in Toronto still, I guess, uh, drought, you know, as far as cups go. I know, they're, they're Bowman, first. Like you said, yeah, yeah, they, Jeff, it's tough. I'm going to jump right. in. Jim Rutherford, who had been in the league playing for – Eight years when Reed came his rookie season and he played with Reed on the Red Wings for seven years. He said when Reed arrived, he was our true leader, our true captain for all those years. As a 20, 21-year-old rookie, he just connected what Rutherford talked about. He connected with every teammate. He stood up for every teammate and he made a difference. They went from... The worst record in hockey, 41 points. They moved up 30-some points, 41 points, moved up 30-some points to 78 points, second place to the Canadians in that division. Huge change uh, rookie season. But here's the words of a veteran. He arrives in the locker room, and those were his words. He was our leader. He was our captain, whether officially or not, throughout my entire time with the Red Wings. A great quote from Jim Rutherford, who went in the Hockey Hall of Fame two, three years ago as the builder because of all his work with the Hurricanes, with the Cup, Penguins, and, of course, way back when, when he left the Red Wings, copyware, and all those great players that came out of that junior system. But great words of leadership on Reed Larson. Reed, when Jeff approached approached you to write the book, um, what surprised you most after you you know yeah after you've got gone through the whole process was there something that you weren't expecting? Well, um, from it? you know, yeah, it's true. I wasn't expecting it, and and uh, I you know I think I said something like, "Well, I'm, it's not like I'm Gretzky or Lemieux or Michael Jordan, <laughs> Tom Brady." Thing. You know, you write books about people. It's usually you know won several championships and you know whatever, but you know. I just hope it helps maybe some young hockey player. You know, I think Jeff made me look at it in a different light, um, different way. And uh, I really appreciate when he brought in all these other players, insight, opinions, statistics. We, I think he did a good job of respecting the other players' accomplishments and what they've done, uh, not just for me. Uh, and so – and, you know, for our area, you know, the Midwest, Minnesota, you know, American hockey players, you know, uh, the East Coast. I mean, I, I love Joey Mullen and, and uh, you know, Brian Leach. And, I mean, you know, go on and on and on. There are a lot, of, a lot of great players out there. And I got to play with some of them in some of the Canada Cups or USA teams and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it turned out where I just 
hope it helps young some young players and gives some other people some stats or some interest. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people, like you say, the people that send autographs for cards every week or whatever. They, you know, they, they definitely, there's people that really study the game and want to know the history. And uh, I think it's fun to hear about. So, I, yeah, it covers a lot of nice points. I mean, I think, and uh, like, again, you know, obviously there's a lot of great players and uh, anytime somebody can read about other, other players and accomplishments and then, you know, bring in like Minnesota and Americans too. I, I you know, can't hurt, I guess. You know what I mean? He has an extraordinary, <laughs> extraordinary story that hockey people love to read. It's a great story. I agree. Guys, the book is The Shot, The Reed Larson Hockey Story. It's by Reed Larson and Jeff Olson. Make sure you check it out. It is available on Amazon, correct, Jeff? Yes, Amazon Books just came out. So fun to connect with hockey people. Here we are, what, a week? A little more than a week from preseason start. Yeah, and Reed, you'll you'll sign the book if someone sends it to you in the mail, right? Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time, Reed. It was great to hear about your learn more about your career, Jeff. The book is fabulous. You, you guys, the one thing I can say, Jeff, is you did your homework because there is more statistics and more um, <laughs> stories and and. and uh, comments from former players and uh it's not just opinion it's all it's it's a really really fun uh book and if as reed says it's really great for the young hockey player uh so there's some training tips in there talking about uh reed shot and it's just it's a it's a fun hockey book right right jeff that's right hockey book hockey season let's go all right, Reed, thank you. I wish you the best of luck. Please tell Rick that I, Rick Milton, I said hello. I've had him on the show before. Uh, and okay. He's, he's a great guy, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Will do. Thanks, Jeff. Nifty. We'll, I'll tell Nifty. Thanks. All right. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Do any of you list your cards for sale on eBay? I've recently signed up with a software by the name of Card Dealer Pro. They take pictures of your sports and trading cards and use artificial intelligence to write the title, description, and upload to eBay. Now, I've gone from the ability to list 10 to 20 cards to 200 to 300 plus with the help of Card Dealer Pro. Go to www.carddealerpro.com to try their software completely free for seven days and get 500 bonus skins by using the promo code TTM500 during signup. Once again, that's TTM500. Use it at signup and get 500 additional bonus scans at www.cardealerpro to list your cards with AI today. So, um, Drew, when I was talking to Jeff and setting, setting the interview up, he's like, Reed doesn't really like to talk about himself. He doesn't want to promote himself. He's, he's very humble about his accomplishments. And that comes across in our interview. He's all, he always wants to give credit to his teammates and to, to people, you know, that, that uh, her book Brooks is one of his coaches, his coaches and um, his mentors. And he's, he's very humble about it, but he's still, uh, you can see he's proud of his accomplishments. You know, he's, he was, uh, he had a pretty good career in the NHL and, and uh, you know, for a kid from Minnesota to go and score over 200 goals and, and, uh, play i think he played in, in like 900 games in the nhl it's, it's pretty good it's in and in the book is interesting it's a good book so guys if you want to win a copy of reed's book send me your name and your mailing address put reed larson in the in the subject line and uh, send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com and we'll give away co those copies of the books uh, on next week's show all right next on saturday's show yep all right I just, that, uh, look, I just uh, before we go on real quick i looked it up on here real quick and uh 
Larson, when he retired, was either first or second among American-born defensemen in goals. He's now fifth all-time. He's been passed by a few guys since then. But still, that's, I mean, top five for something like that is a real nice accomplishment. Yeah, and he was a, he had a great shot. He really had a really hard shot, if I, I remember him as a player. And he was a um he was captain of the Red Wings when he was with the Red Wings. And he's um he you know, he just he never hit the he just never won a cup. He didn't he never played he played on those Red Wings teams that weren't very good. And mm-hmm. he played uh he made the finals with the, one of the Bruins teams, I think in eighty six, maybe, right around there. Yeah. And uh, then he, you know, he he went to Edmonton and he just never he'd never he never played on those that great team. You know, he never had that that core around him. So but mm-hmm. I think he's a Hall of Famer, don't you? I'd say I mean, he's at least he, he deserves consideration for sure. I don't know if I would say absolutely. Yes, he belongs in, but he should definitely be looked at a lot more than he is. Yeah, I agree. So I, I know that that they're uh, I think he's going to be considered in the next two ballots. He was they were saying yeah. in our in the interview. So uh, I, I hope he gets in because I think he deserves it. I re- again, I remember him as being a a pretty good player. And, and when he even he played two and a half years with the Bruins, he he was a he was always a he was always a, I love those offensive uh, defensemen, you know. Yeah. So and it was he 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 was the kind of player that the Bruins like. And he was he was uh, he was good with the Bruins. And I remember his, and the Red Wings as well. He was a great player. So please uh, check out you can buy. Reed's book at uh, Amazon.com. It's called The Shot, The Reed Lawson Hockey Story. Uh, or you can try just to try to win uh, two copies that we're going to give away next week. So that wraps up uh, Collector's Corner. Next up, we'll go right into Making the Grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. It's football season. There's no better time to get your NFL stars, rookies, and veteran cards graded. CGC Cards offers fast turnaround times, so you get your cards back even faster. They have crystal clear holders, so your cards shine. And best yet, all starting at just $12 a card. Head to cgccards.com to start grading your cards today. Making the grades a summary of what's been going on in the grading community, and we have some numbers to report, Drew. Yes, we do. We've got the first full week of September. Things down a little bit because of the Labor Day holiday, a hurricane blowing through near Florida there, but still looking good on everything. PSA, everybody down about a quarter here this week. PSA, 23% dropped to uh, 214,700 cards that got graded during the week. SGC, a 24% drop, 21,500 cards getting slabbed. Beckett, the biggest drop of them all, 28% drop to 12,000 cards that they uh, got done. CGC, a 24% drop to 21,000 cards. So everybody down almost exactly the same amount. Kind of interesting there that all of them dropped almost exactly a quarter there, but things still looking good there on the grading numbers. Very good. Thank you. And we get where do we get our grade numbers for, from, Drew? That is courtesy of gemrate.com. That's right. Gemrate provides our big three as well. So we're going to do the big three next. This week's Big Three is brought to you by GemRate.com. Whose cards are hot and whose cards are cold this week? Let's find out from our friends at GemRate.com. We get the uh, exclusive numbers from our friends at GemRate, and uh, they we look at the three biggest risers and fallers, and we still haven't come up with a good way to talk to describe that, Drew. We, we've yeah. tried. We keep trying, but we just can't. We haven't come up with it. But these are the guys that had whose percentage uh, have 
increase over the previous week and uh, with the four grading companies. And we have Anthony Richardson. He was up 86%, and uh, he looks pretty good. Yeah. He looks good. I think he's the real thing. Uh, and then Junior Caminario. Caminario? Did I get it right? Caminero, I think. Caminario? Caminero. Okay, Junior Caminero. He was up 65%. He's the uh, Tampa Bay Rays prospect. He was up 65%. And Yogi Berra, which is great to see some vintage in there. He was up 47%. Uh, Junior Caminario's uh, 2023 Bowman Chrome prospect card was up 222% over the previous year, previous week, I mean. And uh, conversely, he was the only non- Tawny De La Cruz or Wembenaya uh, in the top 10. So he snuck, he snuck himself with, in there. And I don't, he hasn't been called up yet, right? I don't think he's been called up I, yet. I don't think so. I haven't been paying super close attention to Tampa Bay at all, but yeah, I don't think he has. Well, anyway, those are the three risers. Drew, what are the three, the three fallers? The three, uh, when it comes to who's hot and who's not, I think that's a little bit too hackneyed, but we'll go yeah, with it. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone uses that, don't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> The ones that are not, that would be uh, Lamar Jackson, a 32% drop. There, a little bit of a surprise there. I mean, this is a guy that's... Man, NFL I mean, just started. He, yeah, we're just starting the season. He's got a nice big new contract and everything there. That, so, yeah, I don't know why he's dropping there, but a 32% drop in his stuff. Uh, hockey season, Cole Caulfields is down 46%. Hockey season just about to get started, and we'll drop for him to start things out. And Bobby Witt Jr., who, I mean, he's among the league leaders in hits, so I don't know why exactly he's got the drop here at all, but I... I guess, you know, I mean, baseball season is coming to an end. Kansas City, not exactly the greatest season, but uh, he had a 51% drop in his cards getting graded this week. Well, thank you, Drew. And I want to thank our friends at uh, GemRate for providing those exclusive statistics. Uh, that wraps up making the grade, Drew. Yes. Next up is TTMcast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTMcast stamp of approval. Drew, why don't you do yours since yours is right is top of the mind for you, and, and yeah. you're you're getting the cobwebs out, and you can talk a little about about this great show again. Yeah, so I mentioned before that I was going to bring up another uh, piece of the show in my stamp of approval, and I had mentioned that uh, Eddie Vedder was coming off the flu and still battling it a little bit there on uh, Wednesday night. They actually had to have a little bit of a break in the middle where uh, um, uh, what's his name, Mike McCready, the lead guitarist, went and played. Uh, Eddie Van Halen's eruption just to, you know, kind of take up some time and let Eddie catch his breath and settle his voice down a little bit there for dealing with all the flu stuff. But I also mentioned that Matt Cameron, the drummer, was out for uh, at, out with COVID, and he was not over it yet, so they had to bring in Josh Klinghoffer to play the drums. So my stamp of approval for the week is Josh Klinghoffer because this guy is an absolutely amazing musician. He was He's actually a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was their guitarist in the... Uh, 2010s or thereabouts when the Peppers got inducted into the Hall of Fame as uh, John Frusciante had taken a break from the band and everything. And so he was taking Frusciante's place and killing it as the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers lead guitarist. But uh, Pearl Jam brought him in when they did the album Gigaton in 2020 to help uh, flesh out their live sound a little bit there because a lot of the Gigaton stuff had a lot more complicated uh, um, arrangements to them. So Klinghoffer is brought in to add some extra guitar onto stuff, uh, to add some extra keyboards. He could handle bass if necessary. He could handle drums if necessary. And actually stood in on drums for Cameron previously when Cameron was out with COVID once before. And so uh, that's when Eddie said, yeah, we're going to have to do these shows a little bit differently. But the choice is either 
do them differently or not do them at all. And I think most of you out there would prefer that we uh, just do the show differently. And that got a big reaction from the crowd. Like, uh, yeah, definitely we would. And he absolutely killed it on the drums there in uh, Matt Cameron's place. I mean, there was only like one song where the rest of the band kind of laughed where he kind of screwed up a little bit. But I mean, <laughs> when you're going in there playing 27 songs and you only screw up one of them, that is pretty damn good if you're not the regular drummer there. So, yeah, I mean, he filled in absolutely incredibly. So my TGM cast stamp of approval goes to the great Josh Klinghoffer, former member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, current member of Pearl Jam, and just all around freaking awesome musician. Andrew, drum is really important because they keep the pace of the show and they keep the pace yep. of the band. And they're, they're, the, they're the ones that kind of everyone feeds off of, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like you're the found. For me personally, it's the easiest instrument to play out of any band. But you're also kind of the most needed there because, yeah, you're keeping everything uh, keeping everything on pace and everything. So it's uh, yeah, it's you're definitely very important, even if I mean, you only have to focus on rhythm and don't have to worry about melody, which is part of why it makes it a little bit easier and why for me at least and why i definitely like drums a little bit more than anything else i mean it's kind of like the center in football right i mean if mm-hmm. the guy if the center if, if you're the center in football and you can't hike the ball and you can't you know you, you're screwing up with the quarterback it, it screws the whole team up and i think that's the same thing with the drummer right the drummer if the the drummer isn't there and isn't isn't on the whole band can just sound, be off and sound horrible yeah the, i mean i think center is a great uh great comparison there because What's the center do? First thing he has to know is the snap count. He has to go up there and figure out, okay, what's uh, where's the rush coming from? What yeah. other kind of stuff to look out for in the defense there? And then get the damn thing started right, and then you know provide the protection there. And that's yeah, I think that's a good, uh, it's a good one. I like that. Very cool. Well, thanks, Drew. My stamp of approval is I got a couple of score um, blaster boxes at when I, I got them at Barnes and Noble. I think that's where, where I found them, and they were I think they were twenty five dollars a piece and. Um, it was a good. It, it was good. My first box, I did not get any autographs, but I did get an autograph in my second box, um, which isn't bad. And then I got, you know, I got all the, I got all, all the guys I wanted, so to speak. You know what I mean? I got. Yeah. There were there's a. I think there's about 130 cards in the in the box, which is nice. Um, scores a low end product, right? In terms of, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a mosaic or, or uh, prism or any of those, but it, it, I like them. It's a, they're nice, clean cards, nice, clean looking cards. Uh, and the only, the only bad part is i only got two patriots and in two boxes i only got two patriots cards jeez <laughs> so i got i got mac i got mac uh jones and i got um stevenson the running back those that was, but that's it but and i but i did get one autograph some auto, it was some guy that i never heard of yeah. that always happens right you know you you, ne- you never you never get the uh you know ezekiel elliott autograph you get you always get you always get some fourth round draft pick that you never heard of but it's okay so but anyway it's like it's like last year I picked up those uh, select draft picks. I ended up getting, I think it was Pierre Strong in there, which, I mean, former Patriot, now current Brown. So it's like, hey, yeah. sometimes those things pan out eventually. Yeah, you never know. Well, my stamp of approval is going to go to score football cards. They are what they are, uh, but it's nice. They're nice-looking cards, and it's fun to rip packs, right? It's fun to rip packs where where you can, uh, you know, they, they have all cool to insert cards in there. So I'm going to give my stamp of approval to score football. I get them every year. And uh, they never disappoint. They 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 deliver what they are, and they're they're kind of nice cards. So that is my stamp approval. It's not a lukewarm warm stamp approval. It is a true stamp approval. Okay, Drew. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up stamp of approval, Drew. Next up is the burn wrap minute.
You want to do the Vern Rap Minute intro since I've been so sucky today? All right, I can take it. <laughs> the Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to the memory of Mr. Vern Rap, former Major League, I believe, player and manager. I know he's at least a manager there for quite a while. But uh, yeah, Jeff sent out a request to him, not knowing that he had already passed away. And so we provide this service to everybody out there to let you know that uh, any, let you know of any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics, so that you don't end up like us and actually send off to somebody who has already died. So we try to keep on top of all that. And uh, so you can learn from our failures. Thank you, Drew. Very, very nicely done. Um, not a, not many pe- uh, people passed away this week, which is nice. I always like when the, there's not a lot of Vern Rap uh, content, but yeah, we do have exactly. a couple of people. We lost Brandon Hunter. Brandon Hunt. Brandon Hunter was uh, played at Ohio University in college. He played for the Celtics for one year and the Magic for one year, two thousand three, two thousand four. He was uh, he was a pretty good. He he has a lot of records at Ohio University. He was a yeah. a, a great college player, and he had a couple cup of coffee in the nba he played uh, i know he played 36 games with the celtics and then he played uh, in four playoff games with them and he played for a full season with magic uh he does not do ttms he did not do any ttms brand hunter was only 42 years old uh we lost roy kidd this week he is a hall of fame college basketball coach the sixth no, winningest football. coach was he football? football yeah was football. football oh football. football okay hall of fame college football coach but as the sixth winningest coach of all time was at uh, Eastern Kentucky, has over 300 wins and two championships. Uh, his last TTM was in 2013. Roy Kidd was 91 years old. All right. Now you got me guessing, Drew. I don't remember if he was a basketball coach or a football coach. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think 300 wins. That's got to yeah, I, I think, think, yeah, yeah, I think a basketball football. coach. Uh, I don't know. See, Either way, he was, a, he was a Hall of Fame college coach in we're just off. sports. We're just, we're just yeah. off today. We're just yeah. off today. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing. I'm sorry. <laughs> One other person we lost today. We lost Mike uh, this week. We lost Mike Williams. Mike Williams uh, scored 11 touchdowns with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in his rookie season of 2010. He went to Syracuse. He played from uh, 2010 to 2012. He also played uh, a few games with the Bills at the end of his career. He played 63 NFL games, 26 uh, TDs. He scored. He was not a TTMer. He passed away. He was 36. He, it was a he. It was a construction accident. A steel beam hit him and uh, ultimately killed him. So uh, very sad. So Drew, as I said, we only had a couple of people this week in our Vern Rap Minute, and that wraps up the Vern Rap Minute. We are sorry for your loss. Condolences out to everyone. And I'm going to apologize to, to the listeners because that was that was not a good, that was not my best Vern Rap Minute either. <laughs> yeah, we, we were off a bit, but uh, it's hard for the course today. We'll, we'll fix it up next week, I'm sure. I know. Thanks for, you know, just hit fast forward, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. That wraps up our Vern Rat Minute. Let's do some TTM returns, Drew. Yes. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM returns. All right. I'll do mine first, then you can do yours, all right? Because you Sounds had three good. and I had five or six. So I got um uh, Paul Gardner, who played for the Rockies, right? Colorado Rockies is a, yep. a center, and uh, I got him on two cards, and he, it took a while. This was probably like a six-month turnaround to get that one back, but uh, he signed my both my cards. I'm uh, very happy with that. I got a return from Dave Bing. Dave Bing was uh, must have been listening to me this week, because he signed. I sent a picture of him and me at the um, at the Naples All-Star event that I got, and I sent it out to him, and uh, put it in a, in a holder, plastic holder, and you know what? He signed my plastic holder. Oh, <laughs> so 
my wife said Dave Bing is old. What you can't you if you want to send it back to him, he'll I'm sure he'll sign it. So I, I have Probably. I don't know if I want. I, I haven't decided if I want to sign it back or, or just keep it as a conversation piece, but he did sign my plastic holder uh, and didn't, didn't take my picture out, but it was, I'll, I'll say that's a successful return. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, you got the autograph, even if it wasn't exactly on the item that you were hoping. Right. For. And it happens. That happens every once in a while. I got Steve Sable who played for the Philadelphia Eagles and the Patriots on his 73 tops card. And that took about, I don't know, four or five weeks to come back. I got Jeff Sellers, former pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. He signed his uh, scorecard. I think it was 1990-1991 scorecard. I got that back uh, in a couple of weeks. I got uh, Johnny Grubb. I had gotten Ford for Johnny Grubb, so I, I talked about the, the, the other two last week, and I got two more from Johnny Grubb on his 83 tops card and his 88 tops card, so that was kind of cool to get Johnny Grubb. I was always a big Johnny Grubb fan back in the day. He's the guy that he's one of the Ranger guys that shows up all the time, right? Uh, he hasn't done any alumni stuff at all, but he's always been very accessible by mail, at least. Yeah. And lastly, I got Gary Dunn, who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers on his 1983 Tops card, and that took a couple weeks. So those are my returns. I actually sent out, um, I don't know, 10 yesterday, so um, all 86 Tops football. So I sent out uh, 10 86 Tops football, and I think I'm going to do some hockey next week to get, get some hockey ones out there. So that Matt, wraps up my returns. How was your week, Drew? Well, I got three of them back, so uh, gradually increasing a little bit every week here. So uh, I'm going to go in reverse order. So yesterday I got Ray Ferraro back. I sent to him up in Canada through TSN. Sent that back on April 3rd. Got it back this week. He signed uh, all four that I sent, including a set card right there that's uh, from the 88-89 top set. So Very adding nice. on one from there. Uh, let's see. Also, he's an oiler there, right? That was, a, he, I mean, a whaler there, right? Yeah, yeah. Hartford Whalers there on that one. I love getting whaler cards. Definitely. Uh, we also got on Tuesday, Tony Tanti. Tony Tanti played for the Canucks, the Penguins, and the Buffalo Sabres across his career. I set this out on July 6th through the Canucks alumni. He signed all four cards I had, including another 88-89 tops right there. Don't tell Dave Schneider who's going to want that one. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> I do. I actually did get a Sabres card signed of him, too, so I've got that in there. Um, and then who's the last one was a football one. This one I mailed out on March 25th of 2022, so over a year and a half it took to get back to me. And that is from Carl Banks, former linebacker of the Giants, the Browns, and the Patriots. And I said to him because I found that I had a couple of Browns cards in them, so I'm like, hey, I might as well send these off to him. And a year and a half later, they finally came back, and you can see one right there. Oh, nice. But, yeah, he signed all I would, four I cards. I didn't realize he played for the Browns. I, he, I always figure – I think of him as a Giant, you know? Yep. Well, he was one of the, he was a Belichick guy. So that's, uh, that's why, I mean, Belichick was his defensive coordinator with the giants when he went, I think he went to actually to the Redskins first. And then when, uh, after he finished with the Redskins, he went to the Browns then for about, I think two years at the end of Belichick's tenure there, but that's when they brought in banks. They brought in pepper Johnson. Yep. They brought in a whole bunch of former giants on that team. They're trying to get uh, Phil Sims to be the backup quarterback at one point, but he opted to retire instead. But yeah, he was, uh, but yeah, Banks, uh, he signs through his, I think it's the radio station that he works at is where I sent it to. But yeah, sent, uh, found two Browns cards, two Giants cards. Like, yeah, we'll go ahead and fire these off. And nice. a year and a half later, they finally got back to me. So uh, pretty happy with that. And so, yeah, three in this week, couple set hits and uh, one for the Browns collection. Speaking of the Browns, I got to ask you, do you like that little Sprite guy they have as the logo? I'm not opposed to it. I like it as like a third third logo it's you know classic thing from the 50s that they used for the logo there i'm glad they only use it like on the field and not like all over the jersey or helmet or anything like that so I yeah think that wouldn't look good on the helmet would it 
Right. Yeah. So I think I think they use it. They use it well. I'll put it that way. So, yeah. Yeah. I kind of I kind of like it. It was when I saw it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Is it's he, actually is similar that... to the uh, it's similar to the St. Louis Browns logo. They had the uh, brownie elf there back in the 1940s and 50s as well. Was that uh, did they use that in the 50s? Is that something they used in the 50s and then they brought back? Yeah, they uh, yeah, I think it was a big thing. Right? Yeah, I think it was the original AAFC team. I think used it a bit. Um, I think it actually was on the helmet at one point. The players were just like, "No, nah, we're not do we're not doing this," and took it off the helmet. So that's why they stuck with the orange helmet ever since. But yeah, they've been using it for quite a while, just kind of on and off at times. Did you get any returns out this week? Did you send any? Nope, I've got a stack of them. I'm going to hopefully write today or tomorrow, though. I've, I've also got to set my new computer up there, but I've got a few to write, too. So I'll get around to some of this at some point, I think. I hope. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff going on here because, I mean, like I said, setting up this new computer. My wife's birthday was on Thursday, so we're going out with friends on Friday or on Saturday and on Sunday both. So if I can find some time to crank out five requests real quick i will but she's sitting there shaking her head like you're not gonna have to <laughs> not this that's, week yeah that's probably you're probably right i probably will not but i'll get them out sometime soon maybe maybe monday if i have to i don't know i'll figure something out. yeah she's giving a thumbs up to that so there, there we you go. go all right bud well thank you for uh that closes our returns we we both had did okay weeks we i, I would say we get solid b's how about that for, for returns this week yeah i think that's good i mean that's uh you average about one a day i average one every two days that's 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 decent for uh how things have been going all right, well, Drew, let's put a bow on this thing and wrap it up and put this thing to bed because yes. if, if a show ever desired to be put to bed, deserves to be put to bed, it's this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, I want to thank everyone for hanging in there with us. We are sorry. We we, we are sorry. I'm just going to apologize for Drew. On behalf of Drew, we are sorry. Yes. First, we want to thank Les Wolf. Obviously, Les Wolf, we love having him. Thank you, Les. We want to thank Reed Larson and Jeff Olson. Remember, uh, if you want to win a copy of Reed Larson's new book, it's called The Shot, The Reed Larson Hockey Story. I'm going to give away two copies. We'll give those away on next Saturday's show. We need your name and your mailing address. Make sure name and mailing address. Put Reed Larson in the subject line and send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com yeah see we still have it Drew. we 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 we're, we're, we're closing out strong it's really like a former bandmate of mine once we had a good start we had a good end and there was stuff in the middle so there <laughs> yeah there was stuff in the middle this week all right guys register to win a copy of reed larson's book um also we are giving away two card cradles we want to win a card cradle same deal name and mailing address and put card cradle in the subject line and you can send that to the same e email address which is etmcast at yahoo.com all right that is it i want to first we on this wednesday coming up we have alan lewis who is a great collector wade boggs guy and a red sox guy he is a north carolina guy he has the best north carolina draw i love it he is, it's a fun interview, so that will be on Wednesday. We have all sorts of fun stuff coming. Uh, I have four interviews scheduled this week, so we'll have all, all sorts of cool interviews coming up for you. Drew, anything else before I let you uh, go and, for, and, and per, merci, mercifully, mercis, mercifully put the show to bed? <laughs> I, I think I think we're good. We'll just, we'll just end it right at that. All right, guys. Saturday, we'll have Jeff Owens uh, from Sports Collectors Daily. He is the editor. We're going to talk to him. It's their anniversary. We're going to talk to him about that. And we will have Les Wolf back. Also, guys, if you have anything that you want Les to do appraisals on, we're going to we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. So if you have something that you'd like Les to do an appraisal on, either uh, value or authenticity, um, please send it to us. Send it to me at T. Oh, sorry, send it to us at see. <laughs> TTMcast at yahoo.com. He's just shaking his head. I can't believe this. I'm still, I'm still working with this guy. 
<laughs> it's just a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Many happy returns, everyone. We'll see you on Wednesday. Be good. Thanks for sticking around with us. Yeah.